soul an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan. Diamond Dallas Page versus Bill Goldberg. Sting versus Bill Goldberg. And now Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Just some of the main events that have and will be featured at MGM Grand Garden Arena. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our third edition of All About All Elite, and it may be the biggest one. We are fresh off the ticket rally. Kenny Omega chooses AEW. Matches lined up for double or nothing. And it just so happens that this show falls on the week that we are introducing for the back half of these weekly shows. MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. That's right. From the folks who gave you that three-year journey, WCW, the Legacy Series, we will give you Episodes 1 through 42 of MLW Fusion. We are excited. Each week you will get the All About All Elite and you will get MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. So we have a lot to cover. So let me not waste time. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band. And I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Miz fan, the brain. Greetings, Miz fan fans, and welcome back to this ludicrously packed episode of All About Elite. And as my esteemed colleague said, the uh, first edition that will also feature MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. I'm happy back on the Legacy Series train in some way. It's going to be a very different kind of journey, a different kind of company than the one we've talked about before. But uh, it's going to be absolutely great. It's going to be very rewarding, and it's going to give us a lot of chances to tie in because we're going to see a lot of people who may or may not also be signed by AEW moving forward. So we're going to create great energy between these um two things and we're going to bring it all to you i'm very excited i don't know how we're going to fit everything into the show today so we better get started yeah absolutely so we'll in a moment jump right into the rally but i just do i want to say that we are covering mlw in part for two reasons that we have talked about number one is what you just said there's so much overlap between the talent um we will we will get pentagon and phoenix in the main event of mlw episode one and we are fresh. Things are happening so fast. I just told you this is the week that Kenny Omega uh, has signed, but this is also the week that we got officially Pentagon and Phoenix. So a lot of talent overlap, but also um, MLW has been kind of the thing that I would want AEW to be, except on a smaller stage. So in a way, people always look back and say, well, we don't credit ECW, for example, the, the talent that WCW took from them, the style, the attitude era that WWE took from them. So many times you have a promotion or promotions on smaller stages already doing the things you want. And it's just the bigger companies come along with the spotlight, with the platform, and then they take from. And I do think AEW in some ways will borrow from MLW because MLW in some ways borrows from ECW and WCW and Cody Rhodes. We got some Cody Rhodes commentary later on that is just 
legit weird, legit controversial, legit silly, legit, like, why did he say it? But legit fun, and it goes in this uh, vein that we'll get to that later. But, yeah, lots of reasons to cover MLW uh, Fusion, the Legacy Series here at Miz Fan. Not the least of which, I'll watch any wrestling you put in front of me, and I'll be glad to talk about it. So This that's, is why that's we just love Miz Fan. I love it. Yes. I love it. Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay, so um, I, I ended up catching the – um, rally at about towards the end of the pregame and then going forward. So I did not see whatever came before where I started in the pre-show. Uh, I, uh, the announcers are Excalibur, uh, Conrad Thompson, and I am blanking on Alex's last name. Uh, Marvez, I want to say. Conrad okay. Thompson, the um, podcast guy? Yeah, Conrad Thompson is oh. yeah the podcast guy. Um, uh, Rick Flair's uh, son-in-law, either soon or... Already, I'm not sure which. <laughs> right, right. I actually forgot about that. That is how he started. Um, so he uh, is commentating the rally, or he's going to be on the actual product, or we don't know. <laughs> we don't know, but um, he is um, he runs the Starcast shows, which right. Uh, right. So we got Starcast one along with um, All In, and we got Starcast two coming. Uh, 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 on that note, Sting will be at Starcast two. Bret Hart will be there. Oh. And, uh, one more was just announced, but I'm, I am uh, Scott Hall will be there. So um, I think that's absolutely essential because when you go to a show like that, especially that like we're talking last week, if you, if you can only do a few to have that whole weekend is so awesome. But yeah, Conrad Thompson is like right there with Alex, so they're co-hosting the thing. Hmm, um, and it's weird for me because of all three of them, I know Conrad Thompson the most. So you know, <laughs> what do you what's your what's your feeling on him? I, I haven't listened to too much. Of any of those shows, so I'm curious. What's your feeling on Conrad? Ah, okay, how do I say this? <laughs> he is surprisingly obnoxious for someone who um, hasn't really been a part of the business, but then, I don't know, maybe that's his way of representing all of us. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> My because, impression, yes, it's kind of a put-on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Because he, um, he, he, so he interviews the wildly, wildly, wildly success, something to wrestle has, I think, um, beyond even pro wrestling podcasts received rewards and um, success. So that one's been wildly popular. Yeah. A little less popular than that is 83 Weeks with Bishop, and even less popular is uh, <laughs> uh, the Tony Schiavone show. But um, he's on all of those. So he's well-connected uh, in that world. Uh, what I will say about him also, I, I ought to like him because he represents – like he is the guy who – uh, was the NWA WCW fan, and he kind of challenges a lot of Bruce Pritchard's narratives, but he also hates Lex Luger, so I kind of hate him um, <laughs> because, like, we are the we are the true we are the true folks doing this, not Conrad, sir, because he's kind of giving you the WCW narratives that are already popular as like pushback, but we gave you the the pushback to the pushback to the pushback by doing the WCW narratives that weren't even popular, but yeah. Um, I can see him going either way. I think it could be interesting. We're soon going to have a uh, an actual kind of incident with him and MJF on the show where I thought both of them did really well. So who knows? Interesting. I want to hear more about that. I'm also glad to hear uh, they brought on Excalibur. I hope very much that he is a permanent addition. I think uh, he brings a lot of value. He's one of the founders of PWG. He's done a lot of commentary there, uh, and I always enjoy him. Um, he might 
be a little casual for some. I don't know. But uh, I kind of enjoy the commentator that uh, speaks to you not maybe in an officious way, but in a way where he is a fan with you. And I think he taps into that really well. Yeah, it was my first time ever, I think, seeing a, an announcer in a mask, so that was good. <laughs> I don't mind it. Sure. Alex looked like he hadn't bathed and he was wearing dirty clothes, so <laughs> it was there was definitely not a dress code. And that's going to be interesting because so many things I hate about WWE, how ingrained are they even in me right now who doesn't even watch? Because <laughs> there was a moment I was like, these guys are like, you're dressed like this, you look like this. And then I kind of caught myself and I was like, okay, come on, calm down a little bit. <laughs> give them give them a chance to live. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So I actually turned on when um apparently Conrad they're building this up. Conrad is talking about he hopes MJF uh isn't there or doesn't come out because apparently he had a run in with him somewhere and MJF MJF really was like very very unkind to Conrad. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you've seen Con- Conrad is a larger man, so I, I was aware of that, yes. Okay, so <laughs> you need that definitely for the contest because MJF will come out. Funny enough, right when they're talking about him, uh, first MJF comes out. They're both MJF and Conrad are both wearing scarves. It's just a very cold night. They're outside by a pool, so um, MJF compliments Conrad on his uh, scarf. Conrad, you know, quick to feel himself. All, goes it goes all the way from this guy always picks on me. They're like, oh, thank you, and uh, he says, I'm just kidding. You look poor and ugly. And then, uh, <laughs> it deflates. Conrad a bit goes on to mock, mock, mock over and over again as Conrad and Conrad's a bigger man as far as taller. He's taller than MJF, but you got MJF out there bullying him, which is interesting. And then MJF tells him that, uh, you know how they say the house always wins and Conrad again, I guess back to casual conversation. I have heard that. And he's like, well, you know what? Go to a buffet, Conrad. You'll prove them wrong. So just assaulting, uh, Conrad and Conrad really looks like he's, not handling it well. Looks like we could possibly see whatever that is unfold in the future more and more. But what I saw, MJF, the more he goes in, he sounds more and more like Chris Jericho. So that was interesting to me. And I was thinking at the moment, I do think that Chris Jericho and uh, MJF in a feud and in a match could really uh, tear the house down sometime in the future. Uh, it's it's uh, entirely possible. I'm very high on MJF uh, as a character, and I said, I think in the last couple of weeks, I'm sure, the characters is what uh, AEW is going to have to bring uh, rather than just great wrestling, because you can find great wrestling anywhere. You need a place that combines that and unifies it with some great character stuff, and I think MJF is going to be hugely valuable to them. I don't want to see MJF versus Conrad, but there's a great history of right. heels uh, antagonizing commentators and other figures uh, in entertaining ways and just using that as fuel for the overall characters. So uh, as long as they're not going in that really specific direction, uh, I'm all about this. I think it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, and even who might step up um, on Conrad's behalf because sure. I give him I give him credit. Like I said, he is taller than uh, MJF, but he looked like he made himself like look and feel really small when MJF was doing what he was doing. So I, I thought that he at least did well in that. Um, Alex then tells us a very interesting statement, especially for what we've been talking about with the, what the, what the world has been talking about with talent in WWE talent and independence. Alex says, actually there have been people who have been knocking on our door, but who are we going to answer for? <laughs> so that's a big statement. Yeah. And then, um, after that, we see the debut of Sonny Kiss in 
AEW, he comes out, he throws out merchandise, and then he does a very short promo. I gotta say, I'm really, really pleased that they signed uh, Sonny Kiss, who was uh, exolicious in Season 4 of Lucha Underground. Um, I thought he did a wonderful job in that promotion. Uh, obviously, he's a little different, but man, he's so charismatic, and I think he's really going to appeal to uh, a big section of fans. Um and um, I think it's just nice to see kind of a flamboyant character where that flamboyance is not like a point of something to shame them about. You know, he's uh, very full of life. He's very charismatic. And uh, I, I really enjoyed him. So I think he's a great pick. I also have in my notes that it was Brandy who um, brought him in. I don't know if he, if he brought that up. I'm guessing it was the announcers. But um, it looks like Brandy made that decision. Um, Sonny Kiss is someone who... Like, I take those notes. I think he's going to appeal to a certain audience. I think he's charismatic. Um, I want to see, like, the promo was very subdued. It seemed more like him talking, so I, I've never heard it. I don't know. Maybe I heard him in Lucha Underground. Maybe I didn't. But we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. I am currently trying to decide between who I am interested in, who I'm invested in, and who will currently be in what I will call my Joey Ryan basket. <laughs> so, it's because it's going to be very difficult. I'm a, I admit I am older, and I haven't, I haven't been a consistent wrestling fan for a long time, so a lot of things were difficult for me, and one of the biggest ones was the crowd. So, every single time someone said one sentence, the crowd spoke back to them, and I was like, it's not a fucking dialogue. You're not <laughs> the stars of the show. But then I understand it's a different age. So I, I want to like Sonny Kiss. I don't know if I will like Sonny Kiss, but right now he is teetering on my Joey Ryan basket. Joey Ryan is already in my Joey Ryan basket off of All In. And that doesn't mean they won't be great for a lot of people. But you know what? There might be a time that Joey Ryan is not in my Joey Ryan basket. Mm -hmm. The Young Bucks may one day be in my Joey Ryan basket. So we'll see what happens. I think I am a man who doesn't like humor in wrestling, and that is not the right attitude to have. So what I will try to say is, yes, have humor, but be humorous. So we'll see. <laughs> a lot of little kids, a lot of people who look like they're 13 years old to me, and I've got to get over that because that's not their fault either. But that's a different segment coming up. So we'll I see. Never, I just got to say, I never thought I would see the day where we were having this conversation, where you're grappling with, like, modern, cutting-edge, independent wrestling and uh, having some of the same thoughts that I have. Um, and it's just, uh, it's really great. And I'm going to take this as the uh, reverse experience of you watching me come to know WCW and uh, having all of those experiences. So this is this is incredibly interesting for me. Thank you for saying that, because... I strive, I strive to be honest on this show, and sometimes being honest is a very hard thing to do. And one thing I want to do always on the show is just because something's not appealing to me in the moment doesn't mean it needs to be kicked off the show. It doesn't mean it doesn't appeal to someone else. It doesn't mean it's not good. But we'll see this. I'll, I'll bring this up again when Hang, Hangman Page versus Pac, some of this comes up for me. And then in the debut of um, a, a star who we'll talk about soon, this comes up for me. I, I am surprised at how much I am all about just, like, super serious, like, wrestlers. Because in my life, like, the authoritarian type really pisses me off. And, like, I can't stand being around people who are angry all the time, who are, like, or, or have, like, a small mind. But in the wrestling business, the Bobby Roods and, uh, and the Pentagons, 
Like, it seems like I'm always drawn to the guy who gets out there and just, like, turns the heat up, like, 100 degrees. <laughs> but, but I, you know, we'll see. We'll see what my evolution is. But, yes, Brandy brings in Sunny Kiss. It's a very low-key thing. Uh, there's no storyline involved. It's kind of just, hey, here's another surprise. Here's another young star. And, again, it's going to be cutting edge. There's already praise out there for it. So we will follow Sunny Kiss. But then the next person up is Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes um, just brings this is main event feel. I don't understand. He has the goodwill that Cody Rhodes has by being the son of Dusty Rhodes can never be overstated. Because mm-hmm. there was a moment he was up there talking and I didn't even hear the words he said. I just was looking like you are the son of Dusty Rhodes, aren't you? <laughs> and so Cody, who has not got a matchbook because of knee surgery or because they're just holding it off. I actually like the second one. But he is out here more as promoter, um, I think, at this time. And he says some things that we've heard before, but uh, reaffirming them. Um, He says that uh, first he shows off his coat. The fans like his coat. They have a conversation because the fans have to be involved. Sorry, Joey Ryan basket. Um, So he says he thought about if not us, who, if not now, when. He calls this a revolution. And he's out there pretty much just hyping the show. And so, Ms. Fan, what I want to ask you is, mm-hmm. this thing, this damn thing has already pretty much sold the tickets, you know, pre-sold the tickets that it needs to sell. And Cody Rhodes is not even wrestling on it. Um, do you think it's the end of the world if Cody Rhodes cannot wrestle at Double or Nothing? Considering who came in on this show, uh, absolutely not. Um, you know, as you said, the val well, not as you said exactly, but the value of Cody, I think, is more almost the idea of him, because rarely do I see people come in and say, man, I really need to see that Cody Rhodes match, you know, if it's built up really right. well, like people really wanted to see him and Nick Aldis, um, and, uh, you know, there have been a few other exceptions, but generally... He's more like the the figurehead of this cause that they are writing. And if he wrestles, it's almost just kind of like a bonus. Um, I like Cody as a wrestler more than most, I think, honestly. Um, But even I will not be heartbroken if he doesn't wrestle, if he can't, um, you know, because he's recovering with the knee injury. Uh, I have no doubt he'll do something, and uh, I hope it's something that will tie in, you know, to uh, whatever's coming next, and that's enough for me. Yes. I feel like people... I'm not even saying AEW will be this, but I think people forget sometimes that if you book characters who people care about and they're strong and they're real and they're vibrant, they don't even always have to wrestle for something to happen. And for me, I don't know why this keeps coming to my mind, but I would book him if he wasn't wrestling, coming out as he did on the show to kind of talk, you know, about the success of the show and have his little moment because this is this is the first official AEW show and then I don't know who it should be but I would have somebody come out and just beat him down and destroy his knee and take away his moment at the first ever AEW show for all of history and all of eternity that would build a blood feud I think about Sting who never should have been world champion when he became champion because Lex Luger is better, but that's not the point. The point is, Sting got a knee injury, but you know what you do? You have the horseman just beat the guy down. You have the horseman destroy Dusty Rhodes in the cage. Sometimes the things that happen outside of the match 
are the reason the match will matter so much more later. And I would just love to see something that builds. Like, you're talking about Nick Aldis. I think Cody Rhodes might be better in these blood feuds, these long feuds, these historical feuds. I think at, at his heart there is some mark in uh, Cody Rhodes, and I think maybe I'm one of the only people that says that as a compliment. And so if you take away the man's history and moment on his first show, then you build yourself something that could go for a long time. Yeah, I think there's a very rich possibility there, um, and I, I really like to see it. So, um, yeah, they, something something will happen. There, there will not be a show where Cody Rhodes just does nothing or just comes out and speaks right. uh, about nothing, and that's it. You know, it's just not going to happen that way. Well, well said. He also says that uh, AE, as about AEW modern stars line up with sports with our sports. They want modern stars who line up with their sports centric goal. I don't know what that means, and I don't know if I like it or don't like it, but that's what he said. Because I don't know. I don't like – the emphasis on entertainment makes me sick because I know what WWE used that word to do. <laughs> but then again, the sports-centric, does that mean you're Ring of Honor? Does that, I mean, what does it mean? I know it doesn't because I watch the show, but what does it mean to be sports-centric? I feel like that, that needs to be unpacked because – I know what I hope it means. Go ahead. We wrestle here. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If it means that, I'm on board all the way, for sure. And with Cody, I feel like it has to, because that's what he's about. And, you know, we'll see, though. But, yeah, you can't just say sports-centric. And, you know, maybe he's unpacked it elsewhere, but I don't know what to make of it fully. We'll see as time goes on. Absolutely. Okay, so we next up we get the debut, AEW debut, debut of Sammy uh, Guevara. Guevara? Guevara, yeah. Guevara, okay. Uh, yeah, another guy we saw in the fourth season of Lucha Underground. Um, this guy is uh, super athletic, capable of some really incredible spots. I also think that he has a very punchable face, and there's something you can do with that in wrestling. So uh, I think it's a solid signing. Uh, I think he's a guy who would have been scooped up elsewhere if they hadn't taken him. So uh, uh, I'm interested. He's not one of the, the most interesting people to me that they've signed, but he uh, he's not bad. I'm, I'm okay with it. Why do I not remember him? What was he doing in Lucha Underground? Uh, he came in with Famous B at the start and uh, with the uh, Jack Swagger uh, trio, and he like jumped off a balcony once. Uh, he okay. was around a few times. So Swagger probably got him, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he came back before the end, so okay. probably saw him a few times. So I don't know why. I'm, I am on the fence with this guy. I, I like some of him, but I did, again, I'm just I'm just going to play. I'm going to play this role until it runs out, until I evolve. But like I was like, like your potential, don't like your skinny jeans with the rips in them. So, I, you know, I couldn't make up my mind in that moment. I was like, potential versus off guy. And then they called him a YouTube star, and I was like, oh, my God, it's the first time I've ever heard that. What is, what is a YouTube star? Can I be a YouTube star? I don't know, but he's a YouTube star in skinny jeans with intentional rips in them. And he has a smug, like you said, a very smug and punchable face. And, again, that is not always bad in wrestling. Um I think maybe like in, maybe I don't know has he wrestled how long has he wrestled do you know long time oh, short a uh, few years at least I know he's been in PWG with a decent uh, reception there he's been around let me let me look that up a second it's okay. probably longer than you think he's just got one of those faces uh, he's 25 years old and hmm, I can't see when he started wrestling 2013 looks like so, wow yeah yeah five six years. Maybe it's just him then, because there, there was a couple of moments. The fans were saying smart ass shit every time there was like a silent moment, <laughs> and he was the only one who looked like he's almost thrown by. It. Like you could see his face react. 
like before he said the next thing he had kind of like wait and then so like that was interesting to me but i like the guy in that i won't here's here's definitely a thing and i said this last week i want guys who can represent every kind of style and division um he was he was carrying i think a lightweight title with him maybe something like that cruiserweight title whatever the hell it's called he had a belt with him but um yeah i think that he could be a part of that nitro ideal that we talk about sometimes of something for everyone. Mm. But not a lot from him. Just, I think a little more promo time he got than um, Sonny Kiss, but still no, no um, storyline or anything. So just him coming out and announcing himself. All right, fair enough. Uh, I will mention, yeah, he is the triple uh, a world cruiserweight yeah. champion. Um, and that's something, I don't know how much they talked about it, but yeah, kind of on the same day dropped, to my mind, a bigger bombshell than a lot of what was on the uh, the proper show. Uh, they are forming an alliance with AAA down in Mexico, uh, which I think is very cool because I'm a big fan of alliances in wrestling overall. And I've talked about I think they're going to want to have these connections in order to uh, put on the best show possible. I also think potentially it gives them access to a lot of talent that has ties with AAA that they can bring in and um, really make a further impact. And uh, I'm excited to see what they can do with that because there, there's a lot of good stuff that you could potentially do with that. I agree. Um, make, a, make up your mind whatever you think is best with what you do with U.S. companies. But any company outside the U.S. that you can do a deal with, do a deal with. Yeah, yeah, especially that. I agree. And I will talk. I am very excited about their um, the OWE um, mm-hmm. arrangement. I'm so excited. And I have things to say. I'm sure you do, too. We're almost there. But next up, it's one of the leaked. It's Hangman Adam Page making his way out to do some talking. So Hangman has been getting um, – Conrad Thompson is not the only one getting fat shamed right now. Um, there was a being the leak video where the, the, the corporate Cody Rhodes and, um, trainer Billy Gunn and Christopher Daniels were in a conference room and they brought Hangman in. And so this is all off the fact that, uh, at the first rally, Pac comes out, not dressed like everyone else, not in street clothes, but actually like just in his wrestling gear. Uh, but he's like fucking ripped, uh, when he comes out and so they tell Adam Page that, Cody wants to tell him that he needs to start wearing a shirt and maybe long pants when he wrestles because <laughs> it's not a good look. So he 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 first they're all sitting at the table together like where they can hear each other, but Cody then tells Billy Gunn to translate that in a way that uh, is not offensive, and then Billy Gunn says you're fat, and so that didn't work. So he goes to Christopher Daniels and he tells him to do it. Christopher Daniels does a much better job of translating in a certain way. Hangman pretty much tells him to fuck off, and then. He, he translates that back to Cody, so on and so forth. So Hangman is out there, and he's talking about what has transpired with Pac. He's talking about um, that uh, the idea of him not having the body for it. And then, lo and behold, as this man is talking, upon the screen appears Pac, who I have never heard speak before. Oh, boy. <laughs> What what? I want to hear your thoughts. Go ahead. No, it just uh, there's been a lot of talk about the uh, incredibly thick accent that uh, that Pac has, and um, whether that's a positive or a negative. Um, I think I know what you'll say, but go ahead. This was one of my favorite moments of the whole show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Pac is <laughs> he's a graphic son of a bitch. I didn't know that, 
Uh, and he just rips this man apart. He calls him elitist. Talks about how he hates that whole kind of function, that whole kind of attitude, that whole kind of way of being. And, <laughs> okay, this line. So um, I think he wants to tell us that Hingman Page is afraid of him. Now, the greats in history, those who run wrestling schools say, like, learn a vocabulary. Learn to say it the way no one else says it. Uh, Brian Pillman, on the road, used to carry a vocabulary, uh, a dictionary. And Austin and Raven, they all be driving together, and then Brian Pillman will start dropping words that nobody knows what they mean because he just learned them from his dictionary and wants to use them in a promo that night. <laughs> so how does Pac tell us that Hangman Page is afraid? He says, you're standing there, your asshole flapping like a napkin in the wind. <laughs> that is how he tells us. This man comes off like a complete fucking barbarian. Right in the face of the, this elite crew who are always doing winky stuff and like talking about being the elite show, even if you didn't even watch it, they're talking about it. And this man just comes out and like straight heart punches everything they are about. I left that segment thinking that if they can put on a match like Pac put on that promo, um, Adam Page will grow up 10 years in that night. And he will be better for it. They could have that next, uh, what was it? It was Adam Page and was it Joey Janela at All In? It was. They were violent. They were on the floor. That you know, it was, a, it was a very impressive showing. And this right here, and I could be 100 miles off because it's just based on a promo, but this one here might be one of them to steal the show at uh, Double or Nothing. Uh, yeah, I think uh, this might be one of the matches that I am most excited about that they have talked so far, because uh, I think it will be violent. I think it will be uh, really excellent. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad Pac is getting a chance to come off well here, because uh, um, he was like pretty well in his WWE run. Uh, people got pretty excited about him, but I think uh, he was always held back somewhat, because, um, you know, the way he talks, I think, did not fit well into the WWE you know, scripted style, uh, which is true for a lot of people. Um, so for having him come out here and uh, be able to to sound off in this way, I think is very beneficial to him. And I think uh, it's a great matchup here. I think people are going to be uh, very into it. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's happening. Yeah. Um, he says he has a penchant for humbling the arrogant. <laughs> and they call the match the bastard versus the hangman. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Some of that old school feel versus, you know, I can look at Hangman. I can I can see some people from the past that I could say, hey, you know, he's not completely void like uh, like anyone of history, but it is no secret. And we've talked about this. It's going to be very difficult for some people to work these guys because not only like half of them have executive producer in there, like under their name when they come out. Like that's pretty damn intimidating. And everybody knows that Hangman Page is good. Like he's an AEW, he's good wherever he goes. He can come out and show out. They can they can call him fat, and then he can come out there and joke around it because he's not. There's no threat to him. There's no seriousness to it. You know, he he's protected. And this is a man against him, who doesn't either doesn't seem to understand that or doesn't care to understand that, and he doesn't look like he's going to be obedient to the pecking order. And it's just more fascinating that 
I know we said that this may be a company without baby faces and heels, but Pac's a heel and uh, Hangman's probably a baby face at this moment. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't, I don't actually like the idea of a company without faces and heels. I don't, I don't mind if they're more fluid, you know, than maybe kind of the strict traditional form. But man, you need uh, some aspect of that. So yeah, even if it's something that changes month to month uh, to some extent, yeah, um, you know, I, I need something. So yeah, this is a good sign to me. I don't think you get to control that. Sure. So they, they need to change. They, I get what they're going for. They, they, they need to. Talk more about nuancing what it means and rather than eliminating it, because you're not going to eliminate it, nor should you. Right, right. But Pox, Pox a bloody heel. There's, there's nobody that doesn't sit there. And, like, if I showed that to 10 people who had never watched wrestling and I said, who is the bad guy? Pac is the bad guy. He's a very, very bad man that I am a little bit terrified of. <laughs> As we should all be. And that makes me happy, because like, he did have a big run in 205 Live, so like I don't know what he was doing, but I'm guessing he was doing it well. But the last thing I expected to see was what I saw. And good God, good God, nightmares. (laughs) So then we get Alex talking about, I think, 40 years ago, uh, maybe a debut of a headliners um, in that place, that arena, that area, um, the Jackson 5, I think, at the time. And he's like, how is it maybe that 40 years later we are seeing the debut and the breakout in the main event of another Jackson family? So there's a thing. Um, <laughs> That's a little tortured, but okay, all right. It was. He admi- he he admitted like stay with me. He's like, see, I was going somewhere, but it took a, <laughs> it took him a while to get there. Um, and also, you know, yeah. Anyway, uh, this, is, this is bringing up tag team wrestling. I think we're moving into that moment. So what you get is uh, Nick Jackson, and. Of course, I know his brother's name, but I want to make sure Miz fan does. Matt. Matt Jackson, of course. We know <laughs> them. They're the top stars in this company. They come out to talk about tag team wrestling. We get as close as, we, um, as we've ever gotten to a WWE reference. Thankfully, we don't fully go there. Um, they talk about can tag team wrestling main event, which is the theme they've been talking about. But then they say, you don't see tag wrestling on the national stage doing it, but there's a pause and the fans react big in the pause because he almost said WWE. Woohoo! And then they have a surprise. They're going to bring out a tag team. Surely it's Pentagon and Phoenix. No. It is the best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta. And uh, Alex says they're coming out in their favorite Scott Hall cosplay. As they're wearing uh, jean jackets, I believe, and jeans. What do we know about them? What do we have to say about them? Um, I'm a big fan of the best friends, particularly uh, Chuck Taylor, who I think will be called Chucky T. um, Yes. So as not to be sued by the shoe company. Um, Mm, Wow. I mean, the Chuck Taylor shoe, right? That's yeah. Thing. So, yeah, um, it was okay, maybe at a certain level, but now going a different way. Um, I like these guys. Uh, I don't know if you will. They can be comedic at times, but I think uh, at their best, they have a really good audience connection. They're usually underdogs, but they're really easy to root for and to like. Um, and uh, they, they've been working for a long time, particularly Chuck Taylor, uh, on the independent scene. Um, I'm sorry, I'll probably keep calling him that out of force of habit. Yeah. I think they could do a lot. Uh, I think it's a great pick for the company. Um, it's two guys that 
we have been weirdly slow to be uh, scooped up by anyone else, so I think um, it's going to be to AEW's benefit that they uh, they brought them on here. Yeah, and they did it well because I I think we're going to get some hierarchy ranking. Not that you have to stay there, but that you start their stuff, and I think that makes sense in wrestling. It goes back. Well, I got Cody quote for later on about the, he he went a little deeper into the rankings, and I like what he had to say, but. Every they they know the, the the young bucks know that everyone watching that thing follows intently and knows what's going on. So they know who you're expecting to come out at that moment. You're expecting Pentagon and Phoenix, and so they give us that kind of here's new people, but it's it's also like a huh, and then <laughs> so you get to introduce them, and then you kind of think the segment's over, and then the moment the Jacksons. Decide to start. Uh, Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson start to talk again. The Young Bucks. Uh, outcome. Phoenix. And Pentagon, wearing their little suit jackets. Uh, oh God, it's so awesome! So, fucking, awesome, to watch. When we had the handshake, that deal that brought in Pentagon and Phoenix. When the Young Bucks arrived. And did it. It was a very, we're all friends here. We're laid back. I think they end up working together to drive some guys out of the ring. And there's only one weird moment on the night of the handshake. And that is when the Young Bucks playfully say, you guys are the number two tag team in the world. And Pentagon busts the line, goes in front of Phoenix, and immediately has his fingers in the face of the Young Bucks. But they quickly fall back. No big deal. Let's work together. They shake hands after that. But the very next time you see the Lucha Bros, they're not out there to cut a promo. Phoenix says a little bit, but then it is immediately slapped to the face, kicked to the face, and then uh, Pentagon with the package pile driver on the stage. You have to have security come out. You have to have people help. Um, whichever Jackson, I know which one, but I want to make sure the audience does. Whichever Jackson guy's neck hurt, he has to be carried out. He has to walk out with somebody. And these guys are not fucking playing around. And again, this is why humor is good. It's like I'm always saying, you need a lot of humor in your pro wrestling product so that when Pentagon comes out and says, I'm not fucking playing around, I'm not going to have a conversation with you, I'm going to drop you on your head on the stage, even though it's your show, and somebody's going to have to walk you to the back of your own production, then you really know who Pentagon is. It separates Pentagon from the bunch, and my God, did it ever separate them, because there was some heat in this moment, there was some seriousness, and even the jackass fans were not having dialogues at that time. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with the fans. Oh, of course not. Um, no, I like the idea of this, uh, and I especially like your read on it. Um, so I think it might... I didn't see it, so I don't know. I think it might have been easy to see this as just sort of uh, a, a generic way to start a feud, but uh, you've dug deeper than that. You've brought up some great stuff that makes me uh, even more excited about it. And really, one of my favorite things in wrestling um, is when, uh, you know, it's very much the modern trope, where if you have an issue... 
Um, you're both going to talk about it for quite a while before you do anything about it. Yeah. And uh, anyone who comes out and defies expectation of uh, we're not going to talk, we're just going to hit you in the face, is good with me. And I think Pentagon especially is a guy that you need to book like that. So uh, I think it's a good sign towards the way they're going to handle him. And that makes me very happy. Yeah. And I do think there's a moment Phoenix says, um, you say we're the number two tag, best tag team. So... Even though the booking is really giving the impression that, you know, they they haven't gotten over that comment, which is so obnoxious, but in the best way. Like, for God's sake, you know, they went out there and gave you, like, probably really nice contracts, and yet they think they're the best tag team in the world. You're taking it a little serious, but you know what? Somebody's got to be serious, and maybe it's going to be Phoenix and Pentagon Dark. Oh, man, I almost view it the other way, you know. Um, Pentagon and Phoenix, I think, uh, are maybe the most in-demand independent talent uh, in the world right now, just for how many, are ma- how many major companies they're working with, how many people have bent the rules to get them on the show. So if you come out, even if you own the company and say, oh, well, you guys, you're the second best, come on in, you can't say that. To a man as dangerous as Pentagon. You can't say that to a man as talented as Phoenix and not expect to be walked out of your own conference <laughs> holding your injured neck. You, you you brought it on yourselves, Young Bucks. That's all I have to say. That's an awesome promo right there. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I certainly feel that way too. I just don't know I'm trying to take in this I'm trying I'm I'm trying to, you know, take in the, the way talent is today. And I just think Miss Fan, you need you need to chill a little bit and just you know, they're all they're all friends at the end of the day. So what's what's there to get mad at? But you know, oh, the death of my interests will be <laughs> when they wrestle a grudge match, and then at the end they're all standing there bowing together. And that yeah. that will be a very good sign for me to turn the TV off. So yeah, oh man. Hopefully they'll avoid. They did a lot of that at All In, and I I wasn't mad at it because to me that was a one off. But yeah. you're right. Like I, you know. You got to be very mindful that not you're not just you're not just working for the building this time. Exactly. It's one thing when you all met for the first time or maybe just the first time on a big stage and you know you don't have your previous beefs and you don't have to come yeah. in and like put up with this guy the next day. You know, you just came, you accomplished something cool. Okay, sure. Fair enough as far as it goes. But man, yeah, the more we get into this, the the less interested I will be in seeing that, and there will definitely come a point where it's a turn-off if they keep yeah. doing it too much. I agree, 100%. Don't want to see it. And I I could never like Nick Aldis. Like, I, I wish to God I could because <laughs> he's the NWA guy right now, but... You've made more effort than I have, I admit. Yeah. At least that, that character, though, would... I don't believe for one second that character would do that shit. True, true. You know, yeah, so props to him. But then again, like somebody on YouTube said... uh. You know who should be doing that Nick Aldis role? Who? Bobby Roode. Yeah, of course. I mean, come on. He's busy though. He's busy. It's, it's the same gimmick, yeah, that Bobby Roode always used when he was most successful. But God knows what he's doing now. So. Yeah, that is right. So Brandy Rhodes is out next. Uh, she promised two women, two signings. I think she does this double, as far as at least announcing people, because she first announces. That they have signed two Japanese women wrestlers in that Yuka 
Sakazaki? Mm-hmm. Yuka Sakazaki, uh, coming out of Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, I'm very excited about this one. I've uh, actually seen her live once, which is nice. surprising. Um, but she's very good, very likable. I think she'll bring a lot of value. I, b- I will let you announce the next one because I, I, I spied your uh, column forum um, excitement. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is probably the thing that I am just on a personal level the most excited about anything that I have heard about AEW. Uh, they are signing none other than one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and I strongly believe that. They have signed Aja Kong to come to their promotion and kill everyone, I assume, mm. because that is what Aja Kong does um, this is great. Aja Kong, of course, an absolutely legendary star of the 90s, uh, still working today, still great, in my opinion. I've seen many matches of hers over the past few years and have been very impressed at the level she's still able to go. Uh, I think um, it's just great to have her. Uh, it gives a, a sign of respect both to history and to the current uh, Japanese women's wrestling scene, which I think is important because they are still producing a lot of the top performers in that field. And yeah, I'm, I'm hugely excited about it. I have no idea the length of this signing. Uh, it would shock me, honestly, if she were around like consistently for a few years over here. But who knows what she may do. She's Aja Kong. She can do whatever she wants, as her uh, infamous theme song says. When God created the devil, it was just for fun. When he wanted the real thing, he made Aja Kong. Nice. <laughs> Good times. There's definitely some. Okay. I love the diversity that is happening. Um, I feel like this is... And I'll get to this with OWE because... Lucha stars at this time, yes, it's great to have them. But you don't have to categorize them, and which is good. Like they have kind of like I like. We'll get to MLW, but um, my man, not Tony Schiavone, in the announce booth there says <laughs> uh, these guys are a main event anywhere you put them. Talking about Pentagon and um, and Phoenix. Yeah, and he's right, honestly. So. But I I might be a mark for this because I don't know what has happened and what ha- hasn't, but. Uh, the idea of the, the, the Chinese-style wrestling that, that their company supposedly has that has never been spotlighted and they're going to bring it, I was really feeling that. And then you got Japanese stars. You got uh, these these women wrestlers who are – like the most exciting thing to you right now is that announcement. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's ridiculous how many styles you're going to have. And that plays well to – if you're really going for a sports-centric thing – I think that there's a lot of possibility there. So I would love to see what WCW kind of did with the platform as far as lucha wrestling to see something. It might be OWE. It might not because maybe they don't have it like that or maybe they do. But I would love to see a style that is not that familiar or put on be launched by AEW. We'll see. I'm excited. Okay, so next up is Kylie Ray, who is actually there. Um, she's very interesting. How much have you seen her? Uh, not at all, actually. I think she's the only person on uh, this whole rally that I have not really any experience with. Okay, I don't know how much her gimmick is legit or how much it's ironic, but she's kind of like really smiling a lot and, you know, kind of this naive thing, but that might also be Mick Foley hiding under it. You know, you don't really know. <laughs> so she comes out super baby-facey and smiley. Um, and then... 
Um, she's interrupted, as these things tend to go, by Nyla Rose. Mm. What yeah, do we Nyla, do? Nyla Rose is someone I am uh, familiar with. I've seen uh, Wrestle in Japan a few times. Um, I'm definitely a fan of Nyla Rose. Uh, she's a very intimidating figure, I think. Um, she could bring a lot of value from what I've seen. Really only know her in the ring. Don't know what kind of character she could also bring, but uh, I'm excited to see what she can do. I don't know how much is purposeful, but I really like that they get they go face to face. Brandy stats between them, then security. You know, so you don't have every segment. Like someone got beat down last segment, now someone gets beat down this segment. Sometimes people talk on the mic. Sometimes it's just like a face off. Like not everybody's not coming out and doing the same thing. So mm, right? at least you know that was that was nice because God, that gets old fast. <laughs> for sure, for sure. SCU, ladies and gentlemen, the man who will be in the convince me. Segment today, Scorpio Sky is out with his buddies, and they are just out, it seems at first, innocently talking about the after party. They will be hosting the AEW after party uh, for wrestlers, fans, after Double or Nothing, but they're not there just to do that. They actually are going to bring out um, the suits of OWE and Shima. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Chima, uh, a guy that um, is really interesting to look at. I think uh, he's a guy who goes very far back in the Dragon Gate history, which is currently the uh, number two promotion in Japan in terms of uh, you know business success and attendance and uh, all of that. Um, split off from them earlier, just last year, I think. Um, went off to kind of work with this new OWE project. Um, there has been wrestling in China for a while, but as you said, it's not really been spotlighted. Uh, he went there and uh, did a lot of training, did a lot of uh, promoting, got some guys together, and now, uh, now, yeah, we're seeing the fruits of that, which is great. Um, Chima's a guy that I like as a wrestler, but I think uh, it's really important to look at just how important he's been to the history of Japanese wrestling, um, not only with stuff like this, but uh, he was a big part of Dragon Gate, as I said, since leaving. Um, he has spiked attendance in uh, pretty much every other place he's gone, Wrestle 1, uh, DDT, a few other places. This is a guy that has a lot of interest in Japan, and I think he's going to create interest in America as well. Maybe not even so much with the way that he wrestles, but just with the people that he is bringing. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I'm excited about it. That's very well said. I really like the respect that was shown, whether that holds up or not. I don't care at the event, but it was it's nice to see kind of these um, nonchalant jokesters of the SCU really pay respect to Shima. And then they're, they're like, okay, how about this? How about the three of us? How about you? And how about two other guys from your company? So it looks like we're going to get a six-man bringing in new talent. Um, they said they're going to bring 5,000 years of kung fu to the U.S. in, in wrestling. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I like, I like this for SCU as well because – they're guys who can put on a great matchup, and so I think they're going to do just that. I, I have never, you know, I know you are a big-time Christopher Daniels fan. I am. And since I'm going to make fun of Austin Aries later before I compliment him, I, I, I will do you a solid and say I grow more and more impressed by Christopher Daniels the longer I watch him. I've always liked him as a wrestler. I like kind of the vibe he brings, but I think uh, it can't be overstated just in the last – maybe four or five years, how much he has grown into a character that 
uh, is more of a rounded package, you know. Um, I think if he had started from here, he would have been even more successful than he was. But uh, I still have a lot of respect for his career. And, yeah, as you say, I'm a big-time Christopher Daniels fan. Yeah, and I, I think a lot can be said about how he is spending his twilight years in wrestling. Sure, sure. Yeah, his uh, run in Ring of Honor was uh, very well received, some of the stuff that he did there. And now, yeah, in this uh, role, I think it's great. And, man, he can't – he must be almost 50. I, I'd have to yeah. double check to be sure. But, man, I'm pretty sure he might be also immortal, like an ageless uh, type of yeah. creature. So it's, it's amazing what he can do. I'm very impressed by that. His body type, I think, supports it. The only thing yeah. is the size of his head against his body might be hard on his ring work. But aside from that, he's good. Good guy, Christopher Daniels. I like I like this group. They do they know who they are and they, and they play their role well. And I think if you want to introduce these guys on a big stage, you want to put them in a phenomenal matchup. And you know, again with diversity, give me a six man tag team on a show if you want to. I'm not gonna be mad at you. Absolutely. I think uh, six-man wrestling is a rich and uh, highly underutilized uh, way of showing off what wrestlers can do. Um, So I hope that there is some focus on that. I don't know if they need to have a specific title for that. Historically, that hasn't gone great, but you never know. Uh, And even if they don't, I hope there's some kind of focus on it. And with groups like SCU involved, I think there's a good chance. I also want to highlight... Um, how much Christopher Daniels must have improved for you to be hearing uh, Shane talk about him in this way. Because I remember you know, five, six years ago, yes. he uh, was like defying me, like, I dare you to find <laughs> any Christopher Daniels that I would like. And uh, it was a whole a whole thing. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving that. And I think uh, it's as much a change in him uh, as anything else. Yeah. But still, it's great to see him. Yeah, so if you're listening to this right now or for the next few weeks and I really tear into some of these young guys that uh, that you like, know that I, I can come around in time. It, it can happen. <laughs> they can escape the Joey Ryan basket, buddy. <laughs> they can. Um, so I do want the, the one point of contention I would take with you is the fact that Big Josh, I believe, was once a six-man tag champion, which means the belts did thrive at some point in wrestling of history. You're all right. You're correct, sir. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. They say, that, well, we have one more announcement. We got, I think, our second at least uh, Kenny or Omega chant of the night. Uh, we get a cell phone countdown. We get a video game kind of portrait. We get video game music. Ladies and gentlemen, after New Japan Pro Wrestling, after WWE, after AEW, the surprise that's not a surprise but it's still surprisingly nice. Kenny Omega has signed with AEW. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And it's easy, I think, to sit here now and say this was not a surprise, but uh, nobody was sure, you know, yeah. for sure. Nobody nobody could say with complete certainty that uh, he wasn't going to end up taking that huge yes. WWE money, that he wasn't going to maybe try to find some way to stay in Japan, where I believe he actually resides um, full-time. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm glad that he went to AEW. I'm glad he bet on himself and on his friends. And I think, um, this is going to be the best thing really for everyone. Even, uh, people who are sad, he didn't go to WWE. I think this will be better in the long run because this is going to be one of the key things that really drives the competitiveness of AEW, not maybe on a one-to-one level with WWE. Who knows what might happen, but, um, just, just to create the maximum buzz, 
around a, an entirely fresh promotion. I think uh, you cannot overstate the value of this. Absolutely. Uh, he says, I have found my phone. And then you know, all the little, we get that. We watched the video. Hey, Kenny, <laughs> I watched it. And then it's his turn to talk again because it's a dialogue. And he tells us a little bit about his story. He doesn't go too deep into it. But he says, you know, they wanted to give back it all in. They did everything in their power to give back. And at the end of the night, he thought, why can't it be like this all the time? And he says, now it can. He looks like he's just getting ready to talk. And then music that I've only heard twice that I would be kind of um, positioned not to like is becoming one of my favorite songs. And it's, it's by the rustler himself. It is Chris Jericho. His music hits. He comes out in a ridiculous looking outfit, three sizes too small, and a hat to rival the young kids. Chris Jericho still hip, doesn't matter, he's 50 years old, he's there, he is going to stand face to face with Kenny Omega, and I thought in that moment for the first time, I didn't think it listening to Chris Jericho, putting over Chris Jericho in a podcast where Chris Jericho interviewed Chris Jericho, but I thought it when the music hit, I was like, this guy feels like a big fucking deal in this moment, in this context, like he feels like a big deal, and I cannot wait till he gets to that stage. And stands face to face with Kenny Omega. And you're talking about a guy. And maybe this is my whole narrative. It is at least for this week. Because I watched New Japan Pro Wrestling for a minute. And it was when the guys were about to kind of leave. And Kenny Omega was about to be the guy. And I hadn't really seen him. I think I saw him wrestle once. And I was like, I'm not. he doesn't really appeal to me. I've only seen him once. So I'm not judging him. But I'm not going to stick around. And then I know that he's had matches that are like 18 stars for Mr. Dave Meltzer. I know <laughs> That his match with Jericho was highly acclaimed, but I've never chosen to go watch it. And I say all of that because to say the moment Jericho's music hit, I was hyped for this match, for this feud, for this stare down. So you know what? Whether you are someone who will see it for the second time, whether you are someone who will see it for the first time, I think in the context I want to explain to you, and it's not you, listener, because if you listen to this show, especially if you're WCW, the Legacy Series listener, you know nuance, and God bless you, and you are what's right with the world. But if you don't know nuance, let me fucking explain something to you. Something does not have to happen for the first time for it to be fresh. There's all these rebukes online by the great commenters of the wrestling world. Oh, they wanted something fresh, and this match has happened before. It's not fresh. Number one. Anything that happens in AEW right now has the potential to be fresh. Number two, you all were saying Kenny Omega is the greatest wrestler in the world right now, greatest free agent, and he and Jericho can't do something fresh? This is these guys on this platform in the United States main eventing a show that has to succeed for the company to succeed. You don't think there's anything fresh about that? So, ladies and gentlemen, it is a big deal. It's a big deal that Kenny Omega signed. It's a big deal that this match is going to happen. It's a big deal that the pre-code sign-up for tickets has at least allegedly 
hit 10, 12,000 when they're going for 14,000. And that was like the next day. All of it, big deal. All right, Miss Van, I'm done. So what do you think? Um, I'm into it. Like I said, Omega coming in is great. Uh, Chris Jericho, a guy that I talked about a lot in the past couple weeks where um, I'm not maybe as excited about him as some are, but uh, I think you can't deny that he brings a lot of value. And as you say, um, feels like a big deal. This match feels like a big deal. Uh, it was very acclaimed when it happened at Wrestle Kingdom last year, I want to say, 2018, I think. Um, and yeah, uh, a lot of people love that match. And as you say, everyone says Kenny Omega is the greatest wrestler in the world. I, I don't necessarily even agree with that, but he's very yeah, good. He's very good. And, you know, oh, ye of little faith that you think he can't turn this into uh, a match that will be fresh and exciting. Like, I don't know what you're thinking then, you know? <laughs> so, Nobody should have signed him if he can't. Nobody. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, I wonder a little bit if, uh, and this may be something they have to overcome, um, a lot of the more successful independent wrestling companies are what I call super indies. Uh, and it's not a term I made up, but I'm just using it here. Um, and they're companies that don't really have a lot of story, maybe a little bit, but mostly it's just bringing in guys, putting them in new exciting combinations and then they have the match and it's exciting and it's something nobody else ever saw before and that's kind of it that's sort of what it is like in a mm -hmm. bubble and i think uh AEW is really gonna have to break that mindset at least uh partially and uh get people excited again maybe in a series of matches and a storyline that continues over time in uh matchups that can become fresh again with the right execution so uh i don't know it'll be interesting to see um uh, when Jericho Omega was first announced for New Japan, I was not excited. The match was better than I thought it would be. Uh, Jericho, his match with Naito at this Wrestle Kingdom was one of my favorites of the night. So he sort of turned me around on his late stage comeback. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, if you're not at least interested in this match, then I don't know. That's a little odd to me. You know, I think uh, definitely it will please the majority of people. So I'm looking forward to see what they do with it. I want, yeah, I'd like, I want, I want to dig down into the complication you're putting forth because there are a lot of people who I would say are a lot of times smarter than me. So now I'm talking about guys I respect who, who write columns, who do podcasts, who have this fear, at least a bit that I don't seem to have. And in months I may be wrong and I will, I will, I will claim it, but I don't see right now as any need or any rush to be super, uh, super selling feuds. And building great storylines because we haven't heard a TV deal. The only rumors we've heard is maybe October. Right. So, like, to me, I understand that the first thing you've got to do is sell out that building. Mm -hmm. Do you need to attract an audience after that and with it? Yes. But your first goal, like, it doesn't matter. If you if you didn't put on the greatest storylines in the world, but 3,000 people were there or 6,000 or 8,000, they're not you're gonna you're gonna die from the public reaction of people who want you to die. So like to me, this Kenny Omega Jericho thing is as much an attraction. Will it be a one off in four years? I doubt it because they're both Jericho signed the three years, Omega said he signed the four years. But to me, this is a match that will get eyeballs on the product and would make sure I think people come to see it. And I think it did its job. So Yeah. You know, I don't know what else to say. And then a lot of people that are bashing it now. I'm not now. I'm not talking about uh, smart people who I can have a dialogue with. I'm talking about idiots online who are in the comments section are doing it in defense of WWE. And fair enough, 
But the funny thing is, Chris Jericho posted an image on Instagram of himself going face-to-face with Kenny Omega. And there were a lot of comments like, wow, exclamation point, like a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. And you know who they were from, Miss Van? <laughs> Sasha Banks, Nikki Bella, <laughs> Lana, Heath Slater. The WWE talent is excited about it. But you can't be excited about it because you're a WWE fan? Hmm, okay. All right, I'm through being an asshole, and we're going to move on. <laughs> oh, man, that's the snarkiest maybe I've heard you be. That's that's saying something. Um. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't uh, like it. anybody that will go up no, there and say, no. you know, I'm an AEW fan because I want them to put WWE out of business. Like, you're the same asshole to me on the other side. Right, yeah. You know, so I'm not saying, but, like, come on, man, just – just try to be a little objective, a little honest, a little bit. little bit is all, a little bit. I, I agree. I'm all about finding the wrestling you love, and uh, if it's wrestling you don't love, just leave it well enough alone. You know, what, what benefits you or anyone to pour your negative energy out into the world? Yeah. Uh, I hate that stuff, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I sort of get a little bit – people, I think they're just excited about, you know, when they think of a company that's going to be on TV – they're thinking about, you know, I want those weekly storylines. I want them to start telling those stories because that, I think, is what people are starved for, you know, in yeah. WWE. And I think that's the reason this is happening. You know, that's the whole, we talked about it a little, but Dean Ambrose left because he wasn't creatively fulfilled and he didn't leave yet. And, you know, God knows what will happen, I guess. But, uh, you know, that's that's been kind of the impetus for a lot of people to talk about, you know, hey, maybe we want to go to AEW. You know, maybe we want to try it out over there. Um because uh, people, wrestlers and fans, I think to some extent, are starved for that creative thing on a platform as big as AEW looks like it's going to be. So people, they want to get to that, and they want to see seeds of that. And I think if you look carefully, you do see some seeds being planted for that. But at the same time, I agree, you have to take it one step at a time if you don't uh, sell out, um, or if you don't do well at double or nothing, then, you know, it'll be a moot point. Then the buzz will be dead. And if you excite people now about a storyline and they have to wait until October, they're not going to be excited anymore. You know, the, yeah. the buzz will worn off. Then everyone will be saying, Oh, it's not fresh. You know, we waited too long. So they said, fresh. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's the same kind of thing. So I think I sort of get where they're coming from, but, uh, I agree with you overall. I think, uh, people are just, overexcited to kind of rush to that step um and i get that but uh, a little bit of patience will be good and that's something that's really lacking i think today uh even in myself sometimes so i get it so we'll just have to wait and get what we get i get the sentiment i respect the sentiment because like you said it means they care and they want this thing to be what we're not getting but then there's also this kind of irony about we want a wrestling company to book long storylines and we want a wrestling company that can take its time and do things. But do we have the patience to allow it to happen? Right. So it's not just the wrestling company that has to change its ways. It's the fans who have to change how they take up wrestling. And so, again, if they don't do this when it counts, I'll be the first to say, well, you guys got it right at the beginning. And I wish I hadn't given them the credit that I gave them. But Cody Rhodes is on the record saying one of the things he wants AEW to be is longer storylines. And I am more excited Two points, two points. So if you want storylines right now, that means that most storylines would have to come from outside of AEW. And that's I don't know if that's the way to go because, you know, they don't have the space yet. So, you know, but also. In my mind, 
Maybe that's why. In my mind, I see it a certain way, and it may not happen that way, but there's something about if it's not all storyline, or it's not, like, there's no mention of the world title yet, you know, of what it's going to be, that, yeah, this could be, this can be a big show, and we can be excited about it, but if there's a Jacksonville show at the end of summer, with a TV deal on deck for October, something like that, that's when I'm going to be saying, I want that announcement. Or I want that storyline. You know, I want you to kick off something. That's like the Cody, what I'm saying with the Cody, taking away Cody's moment. I want to see things happen in Jacksonville that I'm like, I've got to be at the first show of TV because I have no idea how that's going to be responded to. Right. But even I, I don't have patience a lot. We're all part of the same world that we live in. And so... Even the guy who jacks up Cody's knee and takes his moment from him in May is going to have his work cut out for him right. and, you know, to make it work in October. But, like, in my mind, I just see Jacksonville and the TV and stuff back there all being linked in ways that were that the links are still there. They're just looser and invisible at the moment. But I think if they do it right in December, when we do an overview, we'll be able to say, OK, that kind of that made sense the way they did that. And we'll see. Right. See. Okay. Weird, weird stuff because <laughs> a rumor breaks out that the, uh, AEW has offered an outstanding offer to a current WWE guy, which is weird in itself because I think that might be illegal. And then they're not going to tell the name of the person though. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the next day I'm online and the name of the person is supposedly released. That person is Randy Orton, and AEW comes out and says that they have not done no such thing, but they can see wrestlers maybe using AEW to leverage a deal, you know? Mm. And so a lot of, a lot of swirl there, Miz Fan, a lot of swirl there. What do you think? <laughs> um, well, I'll just say up front that if they do go out of their way to sign Randy Orton, that will be a big sign to me that uh, is, this will not be the kind of company that I am interested mm. in. Um, All the statement. Yeah. Uh, Randy Orton uh, is a guy I was a big fan of uh, in the 2000s when he seemed to give a crap. Um, I think we were about 10 years out from a period where he generated any, any kind of interest in me. I don't know how often you've seen this guy lately, but mm. man, to me, he looks 38 going on 58, uh, yeah. just like a husk of a guy who's, you know, been wrestling full time since he was like super young on this grueling WWE schedule. He seems burnt out physically. He seems very burnt out mentally. He's always been in a backstage environment where everything was kind of just given to him, even when he didn't necessarily earn it. And I say this as a guy, like I said, I was a big fan of him in the 2000s. I was rooting for him every time they put him on top and tried to get him to be the the big star that they wanted him to be all this time. And he never just quite got there. So for him now to jump over onto this you know, for lack of a better word, fresh product that I'm excited about. Man, I don't know. Like, anything could happen, I guess, if we somehow got, like, this incredibly revitalized, rejuvenated Randy Orton who gave a crap and was a team player and ready to do all this stuff, then sure, maybe. But I I just don't see a very strong chance of that. So if they bring a Randy Orton who just used this whole thing as a deal to get a big check from a different billionaire, then, man, that, that is me tuning out potentially right there um so that that's my feeling specifically 
about Randy Orton possibly coming over. That's a big statement. You have just introduced a new category that I don't know how we missed, and that is the burnt-out wrestler who wants more money for an easier schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Roddy Piper. You read my columns, everyone knows that. But the man, the man went to WCW barely able to walk and was like the Starcade main event. And there's a lot of guys. Scott Hall, you know, was in a bad way for years and still like entertaining with quotes around it. Uh, you know, AEW does not need to be the place where it's such a fine line between I am pissed off because nobody will give me an opportunity and I want to be creative and I want to shine and I want to prove it. And I'm burnt out and I want money and I want a company that will do whatever it takes uh, to get me. Like, what, what is that? Oh, God. I can't remember the name of the contract that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash initiated in the wrestling. It's got a name to it where every time you pay somebody more money than they make, their their check gets bumped up to that level. God. But that kind of fucking bullshit. Like, you think that, do you think those guys ever have your best interest when they are, you know? <laughs> That pretty much says that's the incentive to never sign more stars, never grow, never do anything because you got to keep half the roster up. And so, like, those guys, that's a potential category we have not somehow not introduced. But, yeah, that could be. But it's also everything that happens is not for the fan on the Internet reading it. So that's true. I mean, there's been a big discussion in, uh, as you kind of mentioned, LPForums.com. A lot of good conversation there. Um, very smart guy that I like overall, uh, Team Farrell, who we call yeah. Coach, uh, yes. making a strong case that they need to sign somebody like Randy Orton, because Kenny Omega may be a, a very big deal, a huge deal to, as you said, kind of the fan on the internet, the fan that's following wrestling outside of WWE already, but I don't know, do they need a name like Randy Orton that uh, your casual WWE fan is going to know, is going to come over and say, oh, well, I wonder what Randy Orton's doing in this new company, you know, is he going to draw people over to check it out? And I can see that argument. I won't even say it's necessarily a bad argument. Um, I feel like they may already have that in Chris Jericho, who that would be worked with. <laughs> right. Like how much bigger is Orton a bigger name than Jericho? They seem like about the same. I just don't see that he is, honestly. You yeah. know, Jericho's been on WWE TV as recently as what 2017, doing like the list stuff. Yeah. And I think I said on the forums, the list was more over than anything Orton's done since he was punting McMahon's in like 2009. Yeah. You know, honestly. So. Yeah, I, I don't really see the need for a guy like Orton on that level. Um, so, yeah, the only benefit I can really see from hiring Randy Orton is maybe that and just the fact that you could say, hey, we signed Randy Orton. Like, that would certainly be a shot across the bow, I guess. But I don't know if it's yeah. worth it because um, I think you bring that kind of energy into your company and that's something that can really infect a lot of other things. So many people coming to AEW, wrestlers and fans, are like, we're looking for new opportunities. Um, you know, we're looking for people to kind of punch above where they were before. And there, there's just nowhere for Orton to punch up to, you know. He's been given everything already. This is a guy who never, yeah. ever, on his best day, never really drew on his own, you know. It kind of infamously tanked. SmackDown when he was put on top uh, several years back um, and just really created no interest. The last time he was on top in WWE was 2017, I think. Uh, he had that feud with Bray Wyatt, which was just reviled, like one of the worst title matches in WrestleMania oh, history. Wrestling Jinder Mahal and having just, just absolute stinkers. Just, just uh, you know, 
And you can say that's his fault or it's not, but, you know, it, it was terribly unsuccessful. So now you're going to bring this guy who has, like, washed out of so many main event programs who doesn't really seem to care anymore. You're going to put him in this company that's supposed to represent, like, this is the new the new way that we're going to, like, be in wrestling. Oh, look, it's the same as the old way. You know, I think nothing will alienate the core fan base faster than that. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm totally against it. Yeah. Um, I think I, as a fan... I don't know why I would want to see if – I, if I haven't watched wrestling myself – I know I'm not the only one. I haven't hardcore watched it in 20 years. If I wanted to see Randy Orton, I could have seen like, – it's not like WWE's <laughs> kept him off TV or kept him away from the world title for that matter. Right. And I don't think – like you would have to convince me that he would be a bigger name than Jericho because if you know him, you know him from the same place where you know Jericho. Right. So how – if you were if you were about to sign John Cena, and I was a wrestling fan, I, I might say, yeah, you might ruin AEW for me because I don't know if I want that vibe in my company. But it's your money, and like I don't know what I would do if it was my money. Also, John Cena and Randy Orton are worlds apart, in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, though, even though by the by the storyline or by the narrative of sure, we don't want guys that WWE has already kind of done everything you can with, right. But you know, like who John Cena? Like we wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation about whether John Cena would draw like eyeballs and people to the product, right? Randy Orton, yeah. I've never heard. I did. I, I did not see that conversation. I do respect that guy, but I I would say no to that. My my opinion is no better than his because I don't have numbers in front of me. But you you kind of name sometimes. But Randy Orton's not going to do anything more than Jericho, and if he does and weird, weird, but cool, but I don't think so, but I'm, I was going to actually go the other way, like, if I was Randy Orton, or anyone in WWE right now, I would say, I am burnt out, and I am tired of not being booked, and I'm tired of this, and I am going to negotiate with AEW, why would you not say that? Right. Because it seems like what is happening right now is Vince is willing right now to sign you to a bigger contract, a bigger money contract. And put you back on TV and give you creative. So why the hell would you not say that? So we're going to get some things that are going to be out there that may never come to anything. <laughs> because it's Cody, though. I'm not saying that there's at least smoke here because Randy and Cody are close. So. Yeah, that, yeah, that's one thing that's definitely fueling it, I think. But, yeah, so. um, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's a good point, you know, it, to give any indication that you're willing to go somewhere else is uh, a big benefit to you in working with the WWE right now because they're desperate to hold on to people because they, they, they want AEW to run out of air before it even starts, you know, to run out of talent that yeah. they can excite people with, um, which has been their MO, and, you know, it's just the way it is, and you can say it's good or bad practice. I don't really care, but, yeah, I mean, just yeah. get a guy like Daniel Bryan, and um, I think this is just speculative, but a lot of people think – he was given the power to kind of book his own stuff now because he's been doing stuff that's so yeah. radically different than everything WWE has given him before. And it's exciting people. And he did it because, you know, his contract was almost up and he was he was ready yeah. to walk out and kind of do whatever he wanted. And they they moved heaven and earth for him. So, you know, that's uh, it's a great point. You know, why wouldn't anybody say that? that that's absolutely true. I tend to believe that because, number one, his stuff has been so different. Yeah. And then number two... You know damn well 
that he's willing to walk on WWE, and they know that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I've never hardly known a person who is more just purely passionate about wrestling, who just wants to be part of wrestling anywhere, and I don't think he would care if it were, you know, back in the tiniest little high schools and gymnasiums, yeah. you know, I, he would just be happy to be doing it. So you can't underestimate passion like that. Absolutely. So we, we won't belabor I really didn't do my job. I don't know if you did or not about our list here. I got some groups and they're going to anger people. So I don't really want to go too far into them because everything today is just me saying what no one else thinks. But um, we had originally set, set off to say people we least want to see from WWE. And there's a bigger principle that I hope we can get to because it's kind of really the thing. What do we want? Like, it's different to be us and not have any uh, skin in the game, as they say. But right. I doubt if we were AEW, we would say, well, let's wholesale reject anyone involved with WWE. So maybe it's an individual thing. Maybe it's this guy maybe could do this. Or maybe it's like if they could if they check boxes X, Y, and Z. Or maybe it is. Maybe you're willing to go there and say, like, I want AEW to be something different and just wholesale reject WWE. I don't know what I, where we stand on this. I think if we just want to talk in general uh, off the bat, uh, to me, I think it is a, an individual thing. It's a case-by-case thing. Uh, I would not say, like, I don't think it's smart to reject anyone from WWE. I think that's uh, ludicrous, honestly. I think what you have to look for is who are the people who are not getting the opportunities that they should, that they are ready to take, that they are just hungry to take, that they are desperate to take. You know, we see people who are just just primed and ready and just there you know i don't know the expression but you know like an engine that's just tearing itself apart because it's not hooked up to the wheels like it should be and it's running and running and it's not getting anywhere these are the people you need to look for i think and there's a tremendous amount of them available i think uh what you don't want especially and this may be counterintuitive to that argument that they need to sign a big name but i think what you don't want is people who have gotten those opportunities, who have had their legacy already kind of cemented. Um, take the people, you know, who have gotten chances and not succeeded. And, you know, maybe it was their fault. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe they're still motivated. Maybe they're not. But you take these people on, I think you're taking a big risk. Um, and I don't when know if say, that's the risk that I want to see. When you make that statement, does Dean Ambrose fall into that list? I honestly don't know. He is a big okay. question mark to me. Part of me says, this guy, you know, we all saw how great he was at John Moxley, but that was such a different time in his life. Now he's got all the money he wants. He's got, like, a great family life, as far as I understand it. You know, he's very happy. He's satisfied. He's full. He's not hungry. Mm. But can he tap into that old passion? I really don't know. If he can, I can see value with him. If not, I don't know. It's a risky move, and it's one that might be worth taking. Honestly, because I think people are still generally excited about Dean Ambrose, and that is a factor. And people like to say, oh, he's won every title, he's got all these chances. Okay, but I look back a few years ago when people were just nuts about Dean Ambrose, and did he get a chance to kind of capitalize on that, or did he get thrown in with Brock Lesnar in a match that everyone hated, that was lazy, that nobody cared about, that killed his momentum and his passion forever? You know, it's the second one. So it seems we like we really want Brock Lesnar more. I don't know. I feel like there's more buzz for Brock Lesnar to AEW than Dean Ambrose, which makes me a little bit sick. But that's, 
Well, it ties me out, Brock. He was number one on my list of guys that I don't want. And, Good uh, for you. Good I'm, fucking deal. <laughs> and that's just, again, like you said, we have no skin in the game. So maybe Cody and the Young Bucks could sign Brock Lesnar, become billionaires. That's great. I would never begrudge them that, but they'll be doing it without me. Right. I'm not going to watch that company. That's just not what I'm interested in. That's not what I want to see out of AEW. Brock Lesnar is a guy who's cashing paychecks. And, you know, sure, he'll have a good match one out of every five times or something, you know, and he wrestles twice a year. So, you know, he might get one match, one good match every every few years. Man, that's just not the company that I want to see, you know. If it was years ago and he was coming from UFC and WWE and had put their dirty hands all over him, <laughs> I was I would be excited. I was excited. Then I, I, as a not WWE watcher, I can't hardly even get my mind around this, started back watching WWE because I was interested in that Lesnar Cena and Lesnar coming off of UFC. And then for like two seconds, I thought, man, that's cool. Like, shit, they really cool. hit that dude. Like, oh, John Cena, you know. <laughs> and then five seconds later, it's the narrative that has been going on for what seems like 35 years now. Yeah, it's radically different. And it's weird because, yeah, I, I also see excitement about Brock Lesnar maybe coming over. And then I'm looking at that. It's like, wait, you guys, the like half the reason we have AEW is everyone hated that Brock Lesnar was champion all the time and like was lazy and all this. Like, he's a huge part of the reason that I thought y'all were complaining in the first place. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe <laughs> hey. it's not the same people. It just seems like it's the same people saying one yeah. thing and the other. But, man, just... The whole vibe of it is confusing to me. To me, Brock Lesnar is the problem. To be frank, Brock Lesnar is the enemy, you know? To yeah. me, he is as a fan. So he's just not what I want to see. So like I said, sign him if you want, make a million dollars. But man, I'll be watching something else. That's yeah. just how it is. And there's two ways There's two ways to fail here. Because obviously, if you get a deal and it's an awesome deal and it lasts for a while, but nobody likes your stars because they're not stars and they're not WWE champions – so you get a lesser deal on a lesser channel eventually. You can say that's failure because you went down and maybe possibly went away, but you know you had your moment. But if you stay on the sh- if you stay on the channel, be- you maybe you're making money, maybe you're not, but it's enough to get by. And all you are is another WWE. Then you've still failed. Mm. Like Cody Rhodes and them are gonna have to go a long fucking way to narrativize that in a way that makes sense to anybody, especially Cody Rhodes. Right. Yeah. Some man who's talking, but like, we'll get to it soon. A man who's talking about he sometimes fantasizes um, about cutting off Vince McMahon's head. So. Oh wow. Uh, okay. I didn't know that. Wow. That that might that might be a bit out of context, but I'm just saying <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get to it. But but I, uh, you know, if you're just putting on like it's so fascinating that we're now in a conversation that if they want credibility as an alternative to WWE. They'll book WWE's world champion. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I think I think it's counterproductive. But I will say this. This goes back to something we said before. Earlier I criticized Kenny Omega fans for having little faith in him to freshen up uh, a match with Chris Jericho. I will say, you never know. Like, Cody and the Young Bucks could have that perfect energy and pick the right people that I think would flop and find a way to revitalize them and make them interesting in ways that I don't expect. So I leave open that possibility, but just reacting with my gut guys like Randy Orton, guys like Brock Lesnar. No, I don't want to see him. That's my gut feeling. I leave that open too. I think not named Bill Goldberg. I might be able to leave that open. (laughs) Wait, that's an exception in either way. uh, As in Goldberg would excite you or could never excite you. Well, he could never. I don't think he could ever be anything different than what he is. I think if you if you hire him, you hire him so you can come be Goldberg. Sure, yeah. sure. 
I, and I, I don't really want to see that. I don't want to see it, but he's another guy who's been rumored, and he's another guy who I could see. Cody is more of a mark, in my opinion. I don't know the guy. I'm just felt sense. I think he's more of a mark for WCW than he sometimes lets on. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to um, project onto him because that might just be us. But I think I was just right. projecting onto him. Took my head. That's okay. <laughs> I, we, we, that's what we do a lot on this show. But uh, I like to think it comes from a good place. Yeah. I don't know. I almost wouldn't mind seeing Brock or uh, Goldberg once in okay. the right way. You know, because um, I didn't like it all what he did with WWE. I thought uh, it was very poorly handled. Um, it was just a way to position him as being more important than everyone there who I was uh, interested in, who I was invested in from, you know, all the years of work they put in. But I don't know. You bring him in, and there's something you could do with him. I always liked Goldberg, so I don't know. Maybe it's too dangerous. Maybe, again, it gives off the wrong vibe. But I, I would be more interested in him doing a one-off than uh, anyone else we've talked about. Maybe just because he's not. WWE, you know, just like you said, he's a guy who represents something other, and uh, there's a different feeling about him. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, my gut is probably still no, but uh, I'd be more open to that, I think, than some others. I I know intellectually I know better because I I know you, and we wouldn't be doing a show together. But, like, when you first slipped and said Brock's name instead of Goldberg, like, the first thing I I thought you were going to say is I wouldn't mind seeing a Brock Lesnar Bill Goldberg matchup in AEW because they never really settled it in the WWE. Never again. Oh, the last thing AEW can ever do is start settling old WWE matches. Oh, my God. That should be the new narrative. Like, the company should only exist to give us the matches WWE never got to give us, the payoff (laughs) matches. You just wait till they book one final Sting match, and then, then we'll know for sure. Sting Triple A's 2, Sting loses again. Yep. What a farce. All right. Yeah, so I, I would love to hear your list, and I'll, I'll throw out some shit. But, you know, we'll just move on. Because Brock Lesnar, number one on the list? He was number one, yeah. Randy Orton, uh, two or three, maybe. Um, the other guy contending for that spot. I don't know your feeling on this. I don't know everyone's feeling on this. But, honestly, Dolph Ziggler uh, is very high on my list of guys I don't want. Um, he's another guy. Not burnt out to the extent of Randy Orton, but honestly, I think with even more stink on him at this point as just a guy who has just been WWE, who has kind of kowtowed to everything, who has repeatedly given up chances to like go somewhere else, do something more interesting, and sort of just let his legacy be cemented as this like B-minus, C-plus guy who was never really a star, who had a chance to be at one point and just kind of sat back and took it as uh, his stardom was just kind of uh, uh, sucked away inch by inch. Um, There's a match, and I don't know if you know about this, but he had with Seth Rollins. They had like a 30-minute Iron Man match mm-hmm. last year. Um, and the crowd uh, became so disinterested that they started doing like the Royal Rumble countdown clock ah. for like each minute of yeah. the clock. Um, and I don't even necessarily blame Rollins and Ziggler entirely. Cause I, I think the way the match was structured was very poor. And I think some of that is fans just being obnoxious now, yes. like you said, but still, this is a guy who has gotten like these opportunities and who has let his legacy be set a certain way and likes to seem to like talk like, oh, I could be more than I am. But nobody really believes it anymore. Everyone gave up on this guy. And I think he gave up on himself. And if he goes over, it just feels like an empty gesture. I don't, I don't think, you know, five years ago, sure, maybe. But, man, I just think that ship has sailed. And I don't want to see anybody that 
you know, their legacy is set, their ship has sailed, they're, they're never going to be anything. I don't want to see somebody whose window has passed try to jump through the window or AEW try to shove them through the window because it's not going to happen. Yes. Okay. Is that it? Um, that's that's my one of my other three guys. Um, I had two more. I don't want to see Drew McIntyre. I know oh, everybody God. fucking loves him, but yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe that's a given because even WWE seems to love him and everyone says, oh, he's going to be like one of their top stars. He's a Vince guy and Vince can have him. Yeah, absolutely. I've never seen it in him. I thought he was terrible uh, in TNA and his run there. Not terrible, but just not that interesting. You know, it's easy for, it's easy for me to overstate on Drew McIntyre because I just really don't like him. I kind of get why he appeals to some, but man, yeah, like you said, let Vince have him. Um, the last one on my list was, uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, uh, who who were bullet club guys. And I think that's going to be the big temptation to sign them. But man, these guys do nothing for me, you know, just for the fact that they have bullet clubs stamped on their name that has given them this sort of inflated value that I want no part of. Um, they're not really in this like elite situation and uh i think the only reason you'd sign them is just because oh they were in the bullet club and man that's that's the last thing i want also uh, i don't want there's a lot of last things i want i know i agree with that yeah, though they're high on my I'm, list it's so obvious too people are going to want it without even knowing what they want <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah you just want it because of words on a page and you're not thinking about it maybe so i don't know maybe that's kind of dickish of me to say it that way but that's how i feel about it what do you how do you feel about aj styles he's a you know he comes from that uh i like the fact that he is very other to wwe Uh, kind of like we were talking about with goldberg he's not a guy that i would like go nuts for them to sign because i think i don't know he's just he's still aj styles you know like he'll wrestle you a great match he probably won't have like a very big character. He's yeah. just he's just AJ Styles, you know. So that's very exciting to some people, less so to me. I wouldn't cry about it or anything. I think he could definitely add some value, some name value, some match value, but he wouldn't be on top of my list of people to get. Yeah, I think his contract's coming out soon, but he's been treated so well, and you know WWE's gonna yeah. give him whatever he wants. I I my, I think he would stay in WWE. You know, we never know, yeah. but you, one would think. He almost would be better for the all-in show or, or, you know, to give you that big match in that name because... He'd be, yeah, he'd be wrestling in a marquee match, you know, no doubt, right right still, away. Yeah, what's he going to do after that, though? Wrestle yeah, no, the match. for sure. I, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I also feel like Kenny Omega doesn't always bring as much character as I would want, so I almost put them a little bit in the same boat. Uh, so who knows? You know, they're going to make a lot out of Omega. Maybe they could make a lot out of Styles if he came over. Um, I don't put it past them to kind of be able to do that, so who knows? Yeah, because, like, I don't know him. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of Kenny Omega promo. I guess I heard him at All In. But, like, what I heard at the pregame, I, or not the pregame, but the rally, I felt like he had been interrupted by Jericho before he got started, but maybe that was just his delivery. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so. I, I need to see more of his promos as well, because I've seen a fair bit and I've never been impressed, but I know some people invest in his character, and I don't know if that's just because he makes like video game references with yeah. his attire, or maybe there's more to it than that. So show me some more, I guess. I will give him credit. He has the greatest catchphrase of all time, because it's kind of like about kind of good night. Like, he, he's bidding the fans... So it's like it's a catchphrase that only makes sense if you're the last person on the show. That's genius. <laughs> I 
I guess. Yeah. Okay. All right. I see what you're saying. You know, like, well, we can't have Kenny go out, you know, mid card because you know he's got the catchphrase. He he tells them all good night. <laughs> That's how you do business, my friend. Guess so. <laughs> um, I won't go deep into my list because it would offend everyone. WWE and non WWE. Um, it starts with anyone kin to The Rock is the first. Um, <laughs> then Dolph Ziggler. Uh, who's in the New Day right now? I don't know the New Day that well. Uh, Biggie, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston. Okay, there are definitely some I would take individually as long as they don't carry their gimmick with them. But my big list at the beginning was anyone can to the Rock, Dolph Ziggler, and the New Day. And then what did they have in common? The theme of this episode, they're all built on comedy. <laughs> Two of them as characters. Um, Dolph Ziggler is a comedian somehow, and you can't fucking do a promo. I don't know how those things go together. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it, just everybody. That's another thing. We're on our list of um, the things we absolutely don't want. You don't have to be funny every time you come out. Like, John Cena does this, Roman Reigns. It's WWE. It's, it is the sign that someone wrote your uh, shit for you. Because how many people walk into every confrontation with like three or four jokes pre-planned about the person they did not know was coming out to confront them? Right, right. So just, just, and I, you know, chill. Then they got the comedy. We got our Joey, the Joey, we got our Joey Ryans. So we don't need so many. <laughs> but we'll see. But I love, that's why I had to, I, I, when I think of the New Day, and I'm sorry because I know there's going to be a lot of New Day fans out there and great. But when I think of the New Day, I only think of the really big guy. Who, you just told me. Who was that again? Big E. Yeah. Big E. There you go. He's got it in his name. But, like, I really, you know, yeah, as gimmicky as it is, you know, I appreciate um, the Royal Rumble moments. Um, they're interesting enough, except I don't know if they have to happen every year, but I'm an old man complaining about everything this week. And then... <laughs> You said this one, but my other big list, group list, was all the losers in and out of WWE who blame creative, but it's not actually about creative. <laughs> and to be fair, uh, that could be a matter of interpretation, because yeah, sometimes cool. I think it is about creative, but sometimes it really isn't. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a nice precedent right now that if you want to get hired, you can just like cry creative. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some truth to that. Like, when Jack Swagger, Jack Swagger is an example of this. Like, if he ever said creative, well, you've been in every goddamn independent wrestling company that I turn on, and you're the same, same fucking man who you were. So, like, it's not, yeah, you know, yeah. whether people like him or not, it's not creative. If you go to Lucha Underground, and you still are just the same as you always were, <laughs> yes. then you, you are not, the creative is not the problem. It's Alberto... <laughs> Oh, I didn't even think about him. So, yeah, no, he's not. No, never, 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 never. He manages to show up places, though. Still, so the guy. I, I feel like the last time he burned his bridge with Impact was kind of the last draw because yeah. he hasn't been heard much of since, and I really hope that that maintains the case. Yeah, and then, you know, inside, like, I don't know, but, you know, we talked about a lot of the people who have been rumored, but then there's, like, 15 guys who I forget they exist who on Twitter are at least yeah. trying to get rumors started about themselves. Sure, sure. You know, so some of them we might like, and some of them they might break out because they never got shot. But some of them also, there are times that you don't become a world champion simply because you're, you know, sorry, you know. <laughs> so you know that can happen too. Is all I'm saying. Sure. So those are those were my big list. Is just, and that that's not not necessarily about people. And I think that's part partly what I learned from the list. It's about gimmicks. So here's what I learned today, kids. Um, if you're gonna bring someone over. Make sure that they can, A, reinvent themselves, 
and B, reinvent themselves in a way that complements your company, AEW, and not just themselves. Right, right. And that's why I'm on the fence with Ambrose, because I think Ambrose ideally could do that, and I think he could have some amazing feuds with people in that company, or he also could just be so Dean Ambrose after all this time. You know, I don't want to look. I don't want to feel like when I'm watching anybody that they were cut and pasted from a WWE ring and they're not really there. Right. And I, also, for the love of God, I said this last week, but I got to say it every time. Do not. Well, the first guy that comes over, uh, you know, really comes over when they got a TV deal. Do they stand in the ring like Christian Cage and all them guys and announce why they were upset with WWE? Oh Lord, please no. <laughs> you know, do they though? That's 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 the, yeah. one of the big test. You keep the, you keep having all these moments where you walk away from the company. That might be one for me right there. No, yeah, that's for me as well. I think nothing hardly would be more annoying than if they go down that road. Um, you know, if if you if you need to be TNA to uh, to keep going, then you've gone down a terrible road. So. Yeah. So Kenny Omega, these are just some real quick things. Kenny Omega says he signed to a four-year deal, and he can go to Japan anytime he wants, and he can work New Japan Pro Wrestling. Good. That's a smart deal. <laughs> you Amen. know, honestly, that's uh, probably a deal-breaker for him and something that WWE wouldn't have gone for, so that, that might have been a major factor because anybody who knows about Kenny Omega knows he loves Japan. He moved there. He speaks Japanese. He is just all about um, being present in that place, in that culture, and uh, I respect that. You know, that's cool. He he wanted something, and he made it happen. You know, his passion shines through. Yeah. I'm for that, too. I will say, if it ever becomes dysfunctional um, amongst these friends and these guys who all have big contracts, it might get weird because, like... Four years is a long time, yeah. Yeah, so... And then he'll only be, like, 39, so his career, you know... I think he did a great deal, and I think he's given AEW a chance. I think he's given himself a chance. And nobody has to be mad because if you get too mad and he ends up in WWE around 40, like some guys, like Styles and others, sure. <clears throat> then you'll just look silly. So, you know, just don't be mad. Sure. So Cody Rhodes says, on getting, re- on getting revenge for WCW, I, everything I say will be a quote. It sounds super romantic when you think about it. Dusty Rhodes feuded with Vince McMahon, and he lost. And here is his youngest son who is going to go and try to cut Vince's head off. It sounds super Game of Thrones. In the back of my mind, when it's just me, I think about it a lot. But then I have these guys with me who have different visions. You can turn the clock on old. You can't turn the clock on old wrestling. WCW was friggin' awesome. What AEW is going to be is a whole separate animal. Oh. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Okay. Like, there's a part of me that loves it. I would have loved it if I was somehow standing backstage with him and we knew each other and he said it to me. Um, I don't know why <laughs> he said it in this interview. Maybe I, I would like to know what the interviewer said to him before that. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, because is he making this big, bold statement or is, he, or, is he, or is he walking down something that was said to him? Because by the end of the statement, he's not saying it anymore. So what was said to him to prompt that? I don't know. That's a good question, yeah. I, I never get the sense that Cody Rhodes is really out to get WWE at all. I think um, he's a guy, if AEW doesn't work out, I think he'll have no problem walking back to WWE. I don't think he'll even necessarily, he'll be disappointed, but just my impression of it is that he yeah. won't really take that as a, you know, a crushing loss in his life or anything. And that's not to say he's not completely invested in AEW succeeding. I believe that he is. I just think he's a guy who can easily accept, um, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, yes. I, I can continue with my head held high. And he's so smart in what he usually says. So it's just yeah. a weird, yeah. weird statement. Um, <laughs> the head cutting off part, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was uh, striking. So um, finally from Cody on using elements of old school wrestling, he says, 
I said tonight we're going to try and keep it very sports centric. Tony Khan, his background is in sports. To me, I still get goosebumps when I hear someone like Ric Flair say the sport of professional wrestling. We get that it's entertainment. I understand the suspension of disbelief, but guys are trying to beat other guys in many different ways, and women try to beat the other women in many different ways. It's a very sports-centric presentation that we're going for. We've talked a lot about a ranking system. We've talked about a deep analytical level of something that's as specific as how many times an individual has lost to a certain maneuver, things that fans can really lock into. I'm interesting. I I need to see it to uh, kind of know more about it. I think so. There you go. I like that a lot if they do it right because it's using analytics to build story. Because you know people lose matches all the time, but what happens if dude somehow or another has lost to some kind of armbar six times? You know that could really become something psychological to think about, especially if you're wrestling someone who does MMA style or submission holds. Uh, yeah. It could be. I almost wonder if it's too much because I don't know. Can you communicate that easily, like to the fans that are watching? I don't know. Maybe you can. I, I'd be interested to see if it'll work. Yeah, I would hope it wouldn't always be big. Like it would, it would be somewhere for the folks who want it, but it might only become an issue in that if it ever becomes an issue. Right. Who knows? Fair and enough. the last, yeah, go ahead. No, I just yeah, fair enough. I, I agree with that. The last thing. Um, is breaking this morning as we got up, so I don't know where it's going to go. But um, people at least think Phoenix may have um, may have injured himself at a show last night. So he was holding his head after a maneuver. He ends up getting stretchered out um, from the show. So uh, I believe I already saw Colt Icon say that uh, he'll be okay from that. Okay, um, he'll miss a little bit of time, like the next Triple A show or something, but not much more than that. So. That's some scary shit. Yeah, it is. You know, everyone is just uh, a, a second away from being injured, sadly, and that's just how wrestling is. Um, you know, no matter where you work. So yeah, yeah. And it's hopefully, right hopefully nothing big derails anybody who uh, who deserves to have a big time here. Yeah, they're they're about to be on their biggest platforms because with their deals coming up, up, I think it's at the end of this year. I'm not sure, but if that's the case, they're gonna get the big WWE offers, big AEW offers. So like, they are on. Like the Brink, I think uh, the Lucha Bros. Yeah, no, I, they're they're on the brink of uh, big stardom for sure, um, and they're already big stars in some ways because, like I said, nobody I think is in so much demand that they're working for yes. AAA, CMLL, MLW, uh, Lucha Underground. If it comes back to life, which is looking less likely, unfortunately, but um, uh, Impact and now AEW. That's six major yeah. promotions just right there and not even counting all the smaller places they're working. So yeah, they're already a big deal and they, they could just only get bigger. Yes, absolutely. So we are now moving to a segment that if you have listened to us is entitled convince me it is a Ms. Fan special. And I've alluded to it, but who do we have this week? Uh, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we're talking about Scorpio sky and uh, I do just want to say here that convince me, it's not always going to be me taking guys that I love that I think are like the best wrestlers in the world and trying to convince yeah. you that they are. Yes. Some of these guys I only know in certain contexts as well, so it might be convince myself or don't convince myself. Yes. You know, it doesn't have to come out positively. But uh, yeah, here we have Scorpio Sky uh, took two matches and a promo, all from 2018. Um, so, yeah, you, you're the one getting the first impression on a lot of this, so I want to hear what you think of these. 
So the first one is which is um what is the name of this promotion? Uh, this is Russell Circus, a uh, promotion which is now pretty much defunct, sadly, okay. but uh, did some very fun stuff in the last few years. Uh, because mm-hmm. ah Shane Strickland, what to say about Shane Strickland? <laughs> So it's the fact that he's probably going to show up in NXT soon. Which I'm very happy to hear. <laughs> uh, Interesting. I didn't know you felt that way. Tell me some more. I think he has one of the best looks I've ever seen. Yep. And then he speaks. <laughs> That's my issue with him. He's good in the ring, too. And he's a he, he seems like a big star in all these indie shows. Like, every indie company that I've seen him outside of Lucha Underground, he's almost always, like, the guy. He was the guy. We'll see him a lot in MLW. He'll be, I think he might be champion as we start the thing. He is. And so, like, especially I looked at him, like, God, he looks so badass in this video. When we we start with him there, and uh, uh, Scorpio Sky and his manager come up to him, and then I'm like, please don't speak, please don't speak, because he's the guy too. I saw him in MLW. He always makes me think that he's trying to remember his lines. Oh, yep. And I don't know why. And that's not saying like this dude can be great because, like, to me, if you got two out of three things. And you're willing to learn the third, you can be trouble. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, like AJ Styles is fucking world champion. I don't want to hear him too much, you know. So, right. but like he just, I didn't know because I I was introduced to him in Lucha Underground, and that's always different when you're introduced first in Lucha Underground. Uh-huh. You know, then I came to know Shane Strickland. I was kind of impressed, and then I kind of wasn't. So, you know, okay. I'll learn in MLW too. Maybe I'll come to like it more. Perhaps so, and I will say, uh, Lucha Underground, as often was the case, kind of, I thought, got some of the best out of him. Yeah. Because they gave him a character that didn't have to talk too much, you yeah. know? He had, like, this story, he had this uh, thing about him, this aura, and it was probably the most I've ever liked him, to be honest, so I, I totally get you. Best and worst of this, at first I was like, I kind of like this company, and then I had to ask myself a question, I was like, why is that man holding a briefcase? Please let it be part of his gimmick. <laughs> but it was not part of his gimmick. So I now have a new, um, the last thing a AEW needs to do, and that's to have a money in the bank briefcase or anything like it. Agreed. Yeah, I, nothing you can cash in, at least. Yeah. Um, I always like the gift of the gods idea uh, yeah. until they kind of subverted it. But, um, yeah. Just so yearly. These are things I hate so much about WWE, I don't know how people watch it, is that, so somebody's going to swerve, uh, which is also um, Shane Strickland's word. Which, which is not good, yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> if, but if someone is going to swerve you yearly, and you're going to be swerved by it, like, I don't know who I'm more mad at between the company and the the fans. So, you know, eventually it can't be a swerve that someone's going to come out with a goddamn briefcase and win the belt in a way that doesn't matter how many world champions do you want who never really won the belt in a match. <laughs> I don't want that, but right. you know, yeah. I'm an NWA guy, and so I'm old as fuck, and I have out-of-date taste. No, but. it's been a major problem, I think, so I'm right with you there. You know, It was a very exciting idea when it started, but it's become really obnoxious. So I'm wondering what you're going to say. This is going to be interesting, because I don't know if you're just like setting a precedent for everyone to remind them that you might not be endorsing this person, or you might not like them as much as the next person, or if you're saying that because of Scorpio Sky, so... <laughs> I'm really more so setting a precedent. Okay. Um, Scorpio Sky isn't a guy that I absolutely love. Uh, he's not a guy like, man, this guy should be winning the world champion of AEW, you know, whenever that happens. Um, but he's a guy I like, um, especially in the ring, especially some of the stuff 
that he has done. Uh, I'll say up front, I like this first match more than the second one on a personal level, and part of that is because I really enjoyed what Scorpio Sky had in Wrestle Circus. Uh, working, you mentioned his manager, who is Kevin Condren, uh, who I'm a big fan of, and uh, I like their chemistry a lot, so who knows, maybe it'll be an option to bring in him down the line and kind of align them. Um, yeah, I, I like this first match especially. Um, I remember that uh, it was very well worked. It felt like uh, there was something kind of personal about it. I thought they told a good story mm-hmm. with that. A lot of good pieces coming together in this one. So I think it really shows what Scorpio Sky is capable of, I would say, kind of on one of his best days. Because um, I think if you give him that, if you give him like some pieces around him, if you give him like an athletic opponent, but also a story to work around, I think he can do a lot. So uh, I'm, I'm a fan of it. There's a thing that overlaps these matches that I like about both of them, but I prefer the first match as well. Okay. Um, first of all, is his manager vaping? Is that what he's doing? He oh, is, yep. That is so cool. He's it's a great touch, isn't it? It's really oh, my cool. God. <laughs> See, that's what I like, too. This is what I mean about MLW and other independent shows. They're going to do stuff that nobody, that if you're on a big platform, you wouldn't really think about doing, but then if push comes to shove, you might end up taking it later. You know, and that's just that's cool as shit. Just because I have not seen it, and he's blowing that shit in uh, Shane Strickland's face while he's trying to wrestle. You know, such an antagonist. He sounds like when Bill Burr is trying to do the voices of people he doesn't like in his comedy. He gets like really fucking high, and that's what this manager sounds like all the time. So uh, he's I, really good. Um, I was pleased with the manager. I, I think in some ways he was the best part of the match. Um, yeah, and he wouldn't uh, sit. yeah. I'd love to see him come on. It's kind of, it's a little bit of a sad story because he kind of helped Scorpio Sky revitalize himself. Because Scorpio Sky's been around for a long time and hasn't really created that much buzz. But uh, they teamed up in a few promotions. They created some buzz. You'll hear, like, Scorpio Sky is the best. That's, that was a Kevin Condren thing that he kind of yes. came up with and good. gave to him. Um, and then, you know, uh, Wrestle Circus went under and Scorpio Sky was kind of waiting to see what they would do next. Um and then Kevin Condren, you know, sees him show up in Ring of Honor with SCU, and, uh, you know, that was a little bit of a surprise to him. So uh, it's a little bit of a sad story, but I think maybe it opens up an avenue. You know, if you bring him in, you team him up with Scorpio Sky again uh, or against Scorpio Sky. I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential there because I agree. I see a lot of good stuff with uh, with this manager, Kevin Condren. Yeah, and um, SCU is not going to be around forever. Oh, yeah, definitely not. My biggest thumbs down to uh, Scorpio Sky is – the fact that I checked his age, and he's 35, which is still some good years, but, like, I really like the idea that um, Kazarian and um, Daniels are really fucking old, and they got this, like, 20-year-old with them, and, you know, they're really <laughs> he putting... He very young, so he, he does. pulls it off anyway, yeah. <laughs> how, much, how much were you able to judge him, considering the fact that he has Scorpio in his name? Oh, as opposed to Two Cold Scorpio? I put that aside immediately, because there are some bars that you just can't live up to, honestly. (laughs) Oh, Too Cold. So, yeah, here's what I like best about both of these matches, is that there's a... I I got kind of an NWA-ish feel, in that it's very um, gritty, like... Okay, so every when I watch these matches you're sending me, even if I don't know the style, I don't know the names of the moves, I can almost predict how long the match is going to be, where the arc is. And in both of these matches, it went like another 10 minutes longer than I felt like I thought it was going to go. And it wasn't in a bad way. It was like, these guys are at war kind of with each other, and they're like beating the shit out of each other. So that was really cool. I like that. I think that um, Mr. 
Shane Strickland, who again I do not dislike, but like he's so stylish. Like what he does, there's so much style to what he does, and sometimes not as much substance. Like if you're just gonna kick somebody sitting down, you don't have to like flip off the ground or like lay down and then stand up. And <laughs> but you know it looks good maybe, so it works. But again, this first match. I feel like the company and the camera were all angling it through Shane Strickland. Hmm. And Scorpio Sky is the other guy. So at first it was like, here's a lot of Shane Strickland doing things. But then like when they get on the apron, Mr. Mr. Scorpio Sky does a lot of work on the apron. He does a lot of moves, leg drop. He uh, flattens people. They're doing a lot of shit on the apron. Um, very impressive. Very impressive guy. Um, I think... I'm just going to go ahead and give my diagnosis because I think it's a lot like yours. Sure. I don't think this is a guy that I would ever book unless he really, really breaks out as like a top guy. But he's a guy who I would never not want in my company. Mm. Like, why the hell would you not want Scorpio's guy? Like, he right. can be entertaining. You know, he, he's picked up on, um, on some of that. But I think when he gets in the ring, the, like eventually when the match starts, especially the second match, it gets very serious. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree overall. I think he's not a must-have, but he's a very valuable player to have, uh, if you already have him especially. Yeah. Um, and I think one good thing about him being, yeah, a bit younger, not as young as he looks, but, um, you know, he'll probably be able to add value beyond where Daniels and Kazarian uh, maybe yeah. have to call it quits or dial back. So I think with, with, like, MJF, I was thinking, like, the sky is the limit because he's young and he's green. Yeah. But he also may never get there. Whereas with Scorpio Sky, I feel like where you bring him in might be where he stays forever, but there's nothing wrong with that. Right, exactly. That's kind of, yeah. Because I can see him plugging in a lot of roles. Right, one thing I don't know is what he, what he, how he works as a baby face. So that would also. Yeah, I'm guessing I, I haven't seen that in quite a while. You'd have to go back to some, some fairly older stuff to figure that out. Um so, yeah, I'd be interested in seeing how he adapts, kind of what he's developed into that role. The first, the second matchup, there's as much not match as there is match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is Scorpio Sky versus Desmond Xavier. Um, June 9th, uh, Defy is the promotion. Um, and, yeah, there is a lot of, yeah, like you said, there's almost as much non-match as there is match. Um so, yeah, I like tell, how, tell us about it. <laughs> I just like how the announcer keeps saying, well, the match is underway, um, but they're not, they haven't wrestled, and all of a sudden a fan screams, ring the bell! <laughs> because they're, they're having a pose down, uh, the fans cheer every time that uh, Desmond almost takes his shirt off, and it's interesting, I don't, I like what Scorpio Sky does in that he's already taking his shirt off, and he goes out and finds a shirt to take it off in order to try to beat the response, <laughs> so I like that, but man, does it take them a long time to get there. Yeah, they, they maybe effed around a little more than I would have appreciated here, um, which, as you may have already noticed, can definitely happen in indie wrestling, because yeah. we saw it with Janela and uh, MJF a few weeks ago, Um but yeah, uh, what did you think of the promo before the match? Because Scorpio Sky talks for, for a decent amount of time before they go down. I first heard his voice, I think, in the rally, and I was like, huh, your voice is a lot deeper. No, because I hear him on being the elite, but it doesn't his promo voice and his being the elite voice do not sound the same, I don't think. He's got a very deep voice, and what I liked about his promo is he didn't shake. He didn't guess at what his character was supposed to be doing. He came out and, you know, whether you like what he was saying, whether you don't like it, he said it. Like he was the character and not like trying to be the, like, all right, guys, I'm about to um about to say some things about 
about the women that you might be in relationships with. I'm gonna infer that I might take them to the hotel. So you know that's uh, that's my that's my that's my character. And uh, you know it wasn't that it was he was in full on in character. Uh, and it, I feel like he kept the crowd's attention very well. So I I had I had a, I that I can't remember. I have nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, it was a solid promo, I think. And you're right, I liked that he didn't have to wink a lot about yeah. it. Um, I thought it was maybe a little uh, wannabe rock sort of deal yeah. to him, but that's maybe inevitable in an industry that's been influenced so much by The Rock. So, um, yeah, it was and a very solid promo, I thought. And, I can't yeah. watch a lot of these guys. Even SCU, to me, there's so much like um, what I can't remember. The New Age Outlaws, you know, they got sure. – they got all these catchphrases that run on so long. They they need to rhyme even if they barely rhyme, kind of thing. <laughs> sure. You know, so I just I chalk that up to also like I get it. If I'm on the independent scene, I know what like I feel like after watching three weeks of videos, I could go and like sell shirts at least because I know what the fans want. I would just <laughs> give them a lot of attention and have conversations with them, and you know, then be like, hey, buy my t-shirt because hey, and my t-shirt might be. My gimmick might be that you as a fan are more important than I. <laughs> you are so goddamn important with your voices, and I hear you. And everyone who speaks in the crowd, even if you're in the final row, which is row three, I will respond to it. I will leave my match. I will leave my headlock. I will leave the pinfall for the world title if you say something and you need to dialogue about it. Because <laughs> that is the ticket, my friend. But, yeah, he's half, half, half stuff I haven't heard, half SCU stuff, you know. Not bad, though, again. Not bad. Decent guy. Decent guy, this Scorpio guy. Yeah, solid, I would say. Solid um, guy. Man. What match, about Desmond? Uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, what about Desmond? Because this is my first time seeing him. No, it's not, because he was also in Lucha Underground. Uh, was he? <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, Desmond X, he had uh, a fair few matches in there. Um, but I'm less surprised that you don't remember him. Um, he's uh, a super athletic guy. Yeah. Uh, he's got a good look. Um, I will be surprised if we don't see him in AEW at some point, uh, to be honest. I know he has sometimes the impact. I don't know what his Lucha Underground situation is, but, uh, I, I have a feeling that he'll show up there at some point, um, which I'm kind of okay with. I don't know. He strikes me as what I would kind of want to say, like an X division kind of guy. Yeah. And I don't know what will be the equivalent in AEW. And I think you need some guys like that, but he's another guy I think I wouldn't necessarily put on top personally because I, I don't really know what he can do as a character. He's never really shown me anything in that direction, which isn't to say that he couldn't, just that uh, I don't really know anything about that aspect of him. In the ring, yeah, he's impressive uh, athletically, uh, and that, that'll take you away. So he's got that going for him. He can definitely wrestle the guy with the skinny jeans and the intentional tears in them. <laughs> Yeah, for so, sure, exactly. Uh, I like how he snaps off a lot of stuff. He, he's so yeah. fucking fast, you know. Like, he went his go-behind. Like, like when I'm sitting here writing notes about your go-behind, then that's kind of cool. And then he snaps off his drop kick. So he's got something in his style that's very specific. I think that for me, these guys are really going to – if there's something like an X Division, they're really going to have to prove themselves for me, for my little fandom, because it all gets – like – I liked Austin Aries more in the match in MLW because I don't know if he's older or the other guy was injured or he's just different, but like he's really is a lot more of a methodical matchup. Right. And I can't. I would much rather see something like a cruiserweight division than an X division, but I am again <laughs> painfully old and tired. True. And so. functionally, I wonder what is the difference necessarily between those two things because there's sort of a felt sense of what's different, but I, I don't know what it will be in execution. So it's interesting. 
I think it's just been a 20 years of evolution of spots. Mm-hmm. It's not like the, the, the X Division wasn't full of them, but it's just evolved to bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't know what they'll do when there's a guardrail because, like, most of the stuff I see, they end up in the laps of the fans, and the fans, according to MLW, pay extra to to have it happen. <laughs> I, I, would, I was going to mention it later, but uh, I am that fan. I've literally done that. So Explain it to me because, like, like, I'm just – like, yeah, just explain it to me. I've, how how much more how close to the action can you possibly get? Oh, there's just something really um, immersive about the fact that these guys are fighting so hard that you literally have to get out of their way. You know, uh, that's uh, that's something that appeals to me. I think it's cool. You better pay attention then, right? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I have seen people taken out at wrestling shows who didn't get out of the way fast enough. So it's very real. You know, honestly, like it's very physical. It's so in your face that it's literally like it could be hitting your face if you're not careful. So no, I'm, I'm not judging it. I'm impressed in a way by people who like want that because like it's a little scary for me. And it's not even I don't think I'm scared of the action. I'm just not a very um, I'm very introverted in that way. Mm. So I don't think it's even about the action. But man, it's, a, it's a, some real shit like. So you you want to be in the action? Is it the excitement? Like, is it does it do more than sitting somewhere that they can't get to you? Um, for me it does. I think it's probably different for different people, but yeah, I don't know. I, there's nothing exactly like being literally inches away from two guys fighting, and it's almost hard to put into words uh, the the experience of it. But yeah, I don't know. If there's any show that I can be in the front row and there's no guardrails, I'll, I'll honestly, I'll be happy there. Uh, I'll be glad to be there. Um, nice. I'm yeah. learning about Miz fan now. So. <laughs> there's something special because I could go back and I could show you matches where guys are literally using my chair. They're like crashing into wow. it or hitting each other with it. And man, I, there's just something super cool about that feeling. And I don't know if I'm just a mark and I want to be like part of the match or something <laughs> stupid like that, but it's just a gut feeling of excitement from that. Uh you know, it's uh, yeah, it's just great. There's nothing quite like it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I needed another perspective because a lot of this I'm joking, and I hope like folks can get that. So like I am partly my honesty always comes with humor because my honesty is always malleable, so it can change. But like I I, w- I would be quick to lump if I'm not careful, like all these people wanting to be in the action as again not being able to attend the show and actually watch it instead of being, like, the star of the show. But I do like the way you paint it. It's almost a matter of respect. Like, that guy who I maybe like, hopefully not who I don't like, if you really want to be a mark, which I am not. I am not ashamed of that if I'm at a show and paying my money. But, like, if Pentagon Jr. won a fucking wrestling match because he used the chair that I was sitting in, I would not be mad at that. Yeah, what a feeling, right? Yeah. (laughs) He would owe me, though. (laughs) <laughs> oh, of course, of course, yeah. yeah. It'd be like, let me micromanage. As someone who knows nothing about pro wrestling, never been involved, let me micromanage your career now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you used the wrong chair this time, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. That's okay, though, I like that. Um, MLW is going to be in Chicago eventually. I don't know if I'm going, but if I do, maybe I need to try to get... try to get a seat where they'll take my chair from me. Let me know when you're going. Maybe we can go together. Okay. It's um, I think it's TV tapings, and it's I think it's early March. Mm, that's exciting. We gotta look into that. Because you know, I, I 
one of the reasons I wanted to do this show with you, which uh, obviously we've been doing shows for what five, six years now, but yeah, wow. you know, you bring so much from indie wrestling that I don't know about, and oh god, I want to. This is a good transition, I think. It seems like we have the buzz, we have the same uptake on uh, Scorpio Sky. So we'll, <laughs> this is MLW uh, Fusion, I guess, the Legacy Series that we are now in. Yep. And like, I want to say first of all, big, big, big respect to Brooklyn, who is a longtime listener. Yep. Because we wouldn't be doing this show now, this MLW, if it wasn't for him. He would send me stuff all the time. And this is a guy who likes WCW, and he's telling me this is the real era to WCW. This is a guy doing the. This is, but you know, when. And I never clicked on a video that I did not like. But you're watching a bunch of people you don't know and you're not invested in. Right. So it's really hard sometimes, especially for me. I think that's my problem in a way. And it's, it might be partly human, but it's definitely a, it's too much for me. But like the best way to watch wrestling is week to week uh, or month yeah. to month or just some way to follow like everything that's going on. Because wrestling in a void can be awesome. But I think nothing is better than watching a story or a wrestler or something play out over a long period of time. Yes. And so I would watch it, and it got on my radar because of Brooklyn. But then, like, I think he, I think one of the things he sent me, like, or maybe he didn't send this, I don't remember, but I ended up watching their kind of Royal Rumble-type match. Mm-hmm. And that was a mistake because there was too many guys who looked like indie guys who I don't I don't have anything <laughs> positive to say because I don't know them. So it's just like guy after guy after guy. I'm like, oh, my. I think the guy who won it might be the world champion now, so probably he's better than what I thought. But just watching it that day, it was like, who the fuck are these people? There's too many of them. A little overload. I got you. Yeah. But then you give me a Pentagon Jr. Like, let me enter through someone that I am a fan of, and then I'll take in what I find. And then you give me something like, I don't know, a podcast where we're covering the first 42 episodes of ML. W Fusion, and you get to take it all in from a certain place. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a fan of MLW, if you don't know MLW, stay with us. Listen to the final hour of this show. Listen to this coverage because guess what? There is a promotion that needs your attention because, by God, they're doing good things. They're doing awesome things. They have one of the best intros to a TV show that I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, Terry Funk, CM Punk, Daniel Bryanson, all of them represented. This is a company that lived from 2002 to 2004, went away, became radio, came back. We're covering them in the comeback. We're covering them um, 2018. April, I believe, is where we are at this time. We're covering 42 weeks, 42 episodes. It is MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series, Episode 1. Here we are, Miss Fan. Yep, yep, here we are. And uh, who greets us after that great video package? But a man I thought we were done with. A man, yes. uh, I shouldn't even say a man because that's not the right word. <laughs> it's uh, it's Human Suit Tony. At it again, drawn out of his lair. <laughs> uh, Human Suit dusted off, and uh, he's... He's the one hosting the show. I, I I don't even know how to process that off the top of my head. It's unbelievable. I've followed some of his comeback because I am more into the podcasting. Like You know everything about wrestling that I don't know, and all I know is the podcasting world. Yeah, which I know almost nothing about, so that's, that's all you. It's intriguing, though, because one of the running themes in that show is how much, like, his wife, <laughs> like, he's horrible, he calls uh-huh. it, you know. 
his wife's an alcoholic, like, you know, she's a horrible person, they fight, like, you hear her on, she's getting pissed off because he's doing his podcast, and she's trying to record, like, or um, DVR an episode of something she likes, and she doesn't know how to do it, so she wants him to do it, but he's recording his podcast, they start yelling at each other, and, um, what's his name, Conrad just lets it sit, they stay on the air, and you hear them in the background fighting each other, so, there is a woman, alive or dead, we can, you know, this anybody's guess, who, who just haunts that house and will not let the man even do his podcast. Something tells me she is upset about something that happened sometime in history. That's all. Perhaps in 1993. Um, he, um, he killed her and some children who were trick-or-treating on Halloween Havoc 93. You can go back and watch it in case you don't understand what is happening right now, but... My God, it sounds like it feels like she is haunting that house and <laughs> rightfully so. And he's like, I can make more sense out of the narrative I gave you than what you trying to sit there and watch and listen to what's going on in that on the show. So <laughs> I was just going to say he's had a lot of time to think about his cover story and to come yes. up with a good uh, female voice that he can do oh, to God. throw people off. So so there's another possibility as well. That's the last thing I want to imagine is him in the living room arguing with himself. <laughs> It may not be that. This is a different Tony. This is a Tony who I think was not too excited to get away from pro wrestling. He did it the best he could, but I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's passion. I don't know what it is, but something led him back into the world, and he started I like doing I think it's passion, because I think we always talked about how excited he would be about kind of the, the older stuff, the NWA, the stuff that he really loved, and uh, I think he stuck around far 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 past the point that he actually mm. was interested in what he was watching which maybe attributes some of our complaints about him but i think in his core he does love wrestling um and if That's not nice. you know, why would he why would he come back if not i guess so yeah, yeah i like but, that narrative too because the same way i tell you like you might you might hear me um so like ragging on some of these young guys in AEW and a year from now you might turn this on and I might be praising them as some of my favorites because I try to keep an open mind and Tony Schiavone not only did I come to not like him as an announcer the, from the little bit I could hear I didn't think I liked him as a human being so you know I like a, rede- a chance for a redemption story because sure. you don't think any of us have years and times where we are not our best selves or where we're not you know so it's a weird world, this internet, this indie thing, this streaming, in that you are seeing people come back in times that I think they would just be gone forever um, in in the past. Right. And this is a weird thing. You're watching MLW, which is, is brand new, but it's very old. It used to be, but it is now. Um, a lot of history, a lot of respect for uh, the industry, I think, for WCW, for wrestling. It tries to give you like a fighter fighter idea of these guys are competing which is something aew claims they're going to do so just monitor that but a uh, rich bokini maybe someone huh? sure. something yeah, i've never sure. heard of him before so yeah. okay these are our guys these are our announcers and they do a fine job they're calling three matches um that at least that are um on this show fusion episode one and the first matchup features austin aries Versus A-C-H. Uh, yeah, we get um, A-C-H coming out first, I believe. Uh, he is also likely heading to NXT soon, so I don't okay. think 
we'll see him in AEW, uh, but he is a pretty well-known wrestler. Uh, he gets a little picture-in-picture picture introducing himself, uh, which I'm fine with. It makes me think of uh, WWF superstars or something. Yes. You know, they do that. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, his argument is that he is authentic, and I, I don't know about that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, and here it comes, here it comes. Let's all brace ourselves. All right. I said, he says there's no one like him, which is strange because he looks very average. But he looks very average until you see the next guy who looks a little bit less than average. <laughs> that's the only bad thing I have to say about him, because guess what? He proved me wrong in this match. Let's oh, that's Aries. interesting. Uh, the same guy, yeah, as you said, is Austin Aries. Uh, until recently, was a uh, world champion in Impact Wrestling. Uh, now his status is kind of unknown. Um, I'm surprised, because one of my notes says uh, Shane hates him, so I guess uh, he could turn around a little bit here. Um, in, in fairness, my complaint has always been, should Austin Aries be the world champion and carry the company? Right, and right. I've always said no, but not because of... I've always said it out of respect for Austin Aries and Austin Aries fans, because I feel like they are the type, with their hero being having that little man syndrome that he absolutely has. And there's nothing wrong with that. Kanye West, I think he's, he's made a lot of attention and a lot of money, so sure. nothing wrong with it. But I feel like they would be happier if he never won the world title, so they could always say he was the best wrestler who never won the world title. If he had held it, by God, Impact would have taken off. But no, then you make him world champion. And you know what happens? He does something that's either a work or a shoot, and who knows? And now he's bringing it up again. I think he's on his way back, buddy. Oh, boy. Well, doesn't matter to me because I'm not watching Impact, so... Austin Aries is a great wrestler. He really uh, is, yeah. Um, yes. I don't think we'll see him in AEW because he's 40, and, yeah, he's got kind of these attitude problems that I don't think they'll think he's worth the trouble. Uh, but you never know, so I guess we'll see. Know. Do we know if that's a work or not, or do we just don't care? I haven't a clue. I, I watched it, and... I'll just say whether it was work or whether it wasn't, it was terrible, and yes. everyone involved should be ashamed because the match itself was very fun before right. it, and it didn't need this baloney. So whether this is Austin Aries being an unprofessional douchebag or it's Don Callis trying to book some shooty baloney, because, man, I, do you know about Don Callis at all? I know Jericho was um, saying that he's one of the guys that like pushed for this. Yeah, I, he may well be, um, but I don't know. He does a lot of commentary for Impact, for New Japan, for stuff. And, man, I can't stand this guy because he's bugging me he all the time. He was talking. They were having this match with uh, Johnny Mundo and Austin Aries in this, and he was like, oh, this is like the Montreal Screwjob, and there's real heat between yeah. these guys. And I'm like, I want to slap this man in the face. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, when, I'm sorry. That's off no. topic. But, yeah, if he booked it that way on purpose, then shame on him because that was baloney. But half the view takes place on Twitter. I, I Like you said, work or shoot is embarrassing to me. Because, yeah, exactly. And I haven't clicked on I can't even find the – I don't know how the storyline has appeared before me, and then when I search for it, I can't find it. But it looks – like, maybe he's returning, and maybe he's been silent, but then maybe he addressed it online or something. So I'm wondering if it's a work. All right. But to me, if it, if it, if it's a work, everyone involved should just be excommunicated from the business. <laughs> that should be the new measure, because nobody needs that shit. Yeah. It's like, let's deceive the fans for the, you know, you don't respect me. I, don't, I, I shouldn't have to respect you, and... Like, again, the Vince Russo thing, will you, will people talk about the thing you did? Yes, they will. We agree, Vince Russo. We agree. 
but sometimes you do things that you don't want people to talk about, and if that's the only thing they talk about, and that's what you come to know for, and Impact's already got a shaky relationship with, like, being able to trust them as a company. Yep. I just don't know, but yeah. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Right, off topic. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> it's okay. Um... Yeah, uh, I'm surprised because I think it sounds like you liked this match better than I did, actually. Okay. Um, I, I, I thought it wasn't bad. I think it was that good either. It felt really long, um, and it was a lot of, like, doing big moves, but <laughs> I didn't feel like there was that, like, I didn't get a sense of a, a much of a story in it, um, so it was just, like, a long time of guys doing moves, and then finally it was over, so I didn't think it was bad, but I just didn't think it was that good either. It was sort of just, like, there for me. You thought it was a lot of big moves? Kind of? Yeah, I mean, I guess I know what you're saying, that it wasn't just, like, spots, but it was a lot of, like, you know, uh, oh, I'm going to, like, uh, throw you in your head on the apron. Uh, okay. You know, it's not like we hate each other or anything, but this is just, like, what we're doing now. Um, so, yeah, not like a, a spot fest, but just, like, I don't know. Okay. They, they went a long time. They did a lot of moves that I would call big moves that I thought didn't really – make a lot of sense for okay. what they were doing for just like a random match to kind of kick off this show for at least half the match the back half not the first half um, Austin Aries does target the injured ribs that's true I I didn't notice that but I don't know it was just such a long time getting there that maybe I lost some uh, investment so it might be that for me the lower you have Austin Aries on the card the better he looks <laughs> So, like, now he's first match, and I'm like, that dude, for someone who's never going to be a star, but that's a hell of a hand right there, that fella. You know, <laughs> maybe that's it. But I also think it's just because I do, for me, I feel like, maybe I don't remember Austin Aries, but, you know, I feel like it's a lot less um, X Division-ish than what I remember. I liked, I liked some of his direct contact. It wasn't big moves, but it would be, like, just a knee to the stomach at the right time. Um, I liked... Uh, so Austin Aries is going for a test of strength, and at the very moment, Tony Schiavone is like, if he does that, if a, 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 if he ACH does that, he's going to be exposing the ribs. And the moment he's saying that, um, ACH grabs a headlock instead of that, and you know, yep. so th- there's some. And at one time, they, um, I think it's the Rich Bokini says this is more of a chess match so far. So mm. you know, there was at least at the beginning a back and forth kind of filling each other out. Um, yeah. Somewhere some, I say Aries is very precise. I don't know what that's about, but I think it's true in general. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's a little too uh, hard on this match. There was definitely some good things about it. I'm glad you said that thing that Tony said because yeah, almost kind of in spite of myself, I found myself appreciating comments like that because you don't see that that much in uh, indie commentary where they're like picking apart. Oh, if he does this, it will have this consequence. Yeah. You know, and it's more like just. Wow, look what they did, you know, and it's just uh, it's a different level of analysis. So, yeah, I'm not a huge Tony fan, but maybe he'll kind of win me back over in this uh, series. I don't know. It'll be it's definitely a different Tony Schiavone. The man has facial hair, so you know, <laughs> don't take it lightly. <laughs> yep, yep. ACH did not impress me that much, but it's only right. one match. But I feel like every time it's time for him to do an offense, which was rare, so I didn't get to see a lot of it. Like he's got injured ribs and an injured knee, and all he does is jump to the top rope and try. Either a big splash or a, the 450 splash. Yeah, yeah. ACH is another guy who I think physically is impressive, but doesn't yeah. do it that much for me. Because, yeah, I think a lot of it is he'll just flip, he'll jump, he'll dive, kind of regardless of what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm not the biggest ACH fan. I think he, he kind of has a place, but he wasn't doing a whole lot for me in this one. 
Finally, that got the best of him, though, because he goes one more time. This time for the 450, he catches knees and then into a cradle, which I thought was the end spot and maybe should have been, but uh, he kicks out. And then a couple of moves later, we get a brain buster from Austin Aries, and Austin Aries will pick up the win in the first match on MLW Fusion. I think you might find that to be another modern trope of matches maybe going just a couple matches longer than maybe they should have. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's something picked up from Japanese wrestling where, like, the thing that should have finished off the guy, oh, they kicked out, they're just that little bit tougher, even if they lose a little later on. But yeah. uh, I think it can be a little anticlimactic sometimes. That was sweet to me, that 450 and the knees, and he just kind of sitting on his knees for, like, half a second, Ari just scoops him into a cradle. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. when... I don't know if these are both baby faces because Austin Aries does kind of the obnoxious corner sit and then uh, ACH mocks it later on and Austin Aries is smiling and claps, you know, and, and I think he might help him out in the ring or if it's just like we're kind of ring of honor in the fact that we're fighters. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I got the impression that neither of them were monsters at the moment. And so, you know, it might be better to have Austin Aries. Like if you beat a guy with injured ribs by putting your knees up on his finisher and catching an inside cradle – you're really opening the door for, you know, both guys looking good in the future matchup, maybe. For sure, for sure. Okay, so I have some things to say about the next promo, but okay. I want to hear you, what you have to say first. <laughs> because you might, you probably know the guy and I probably don't. I, I want to hear your impression okay. first before I get mine. Okay, so I don't know what I think about the guy yet. I, sir, have a right to reserve my thoughts. Okay, all right. Until I think he wrestles next week against Shane Strickland. Fair enough. But this promo to me is fucking fire. Genius. I love it. He is sitting here. Tell me who I'm talking about, Ms. Fan. You're talking about uh, Jimmy Havoc, who has also this week been confirmed for yes. AEW. So that is interesting. This is that overlap we talk about. Mm -hmm. And he is sitting here judging the world and excusing bad behavior to come. He says, all you people have wanted is red turning to green. You wanted the American dream busted open by Abdullah the Butcher. Steve Carino you, um, wore a crimson mask. And he calls himself a voyeur of your sin and says you are going to get exactly what you want. So I like this promo because I think it's smart and creative. And I like it because whether I end up liking this guy or not, this is a man who is saying horrible things are about to happen and they're not my fault. Actually, wrestling fan, they are your fault. And to me, that at least is a mentality of a guy who could do a lot of damage because he's excusing himself out of the gate. And I like the phrase, foyer of your sin. Okay. It's a good phrase. Uh, it's a good promo. I am familiar with Jimmy Havoc. I think uh, generally he presents himself very well as a character. Um, usually has not done much for me in the ring. Um, I'll just say that up front. So that sort of colored my interpretation of this uh, promo to a certain extent. Okay. Um, but I've only seen him, you know, I've seen him a fair number of times, but uh, there's always room, you know, for something that will surprise me. So I want to see what he does. I love to see him live up to kind of this character that he puts out there. Um, but I'm also wary because he's a deathmatch guy and yes. he does it in ways that don't really like, He's the kind of wrestler who will, like, staple something on your face or, like, uh. try to give you a paper cut on your fingers or, like, squeeze lemon juice on you after you get <laughs> cut. And it's just, like, stuff that's, like, this isn't hardcore to me. Like, I get what you're going for, but, like, this is just, like, uh. I don't know. It's not for me, so I don't know. Maybe if he brings that kind of stuff, 
I think uh, I'll be down on him again, but you I know, maybe he if he does something that. different, uh, I'll be I'll be more impressed. Because I know him from something. I don't know if I know him from matches or reputation, but like when I first saw him appear, I was like, okay, I don't I don't think I'm gonna like this guy. And then I like his promo, mm-hmm. but then there's like this hesitancy, and I'm I've made it clear like, and there's some ECW stuff, there's some post ECW, so I'm not anti-hardcore wholesale, but like it's not my favorite style. And then especially when it gets to some of the levels it gets to, but then that almost sounds like a com like yes. what, <laughs> a comedy guy, you know? It's Can you different. Like there's deathmatch, there's deathmatch guys who are too gruesome, and then there are deathmatch guys who are too cutesy. And yeah. I think he's almost too much the other way. I think God, uh, old this is my last old man thing. But in this internet world where people speak to each other all the, I feel like at times these people try to be a little too smart and a little too right. Like we know. You're going to go home and dissect this with your friends. Instead of us as performers being unaware of that, we're going to show you we're aware to what you're doing, and we're going to join the conversation, and we're going <laughs> to. So then you got wrestlers almost imitating the very – like, if you ever hear wrestlers talk, they hate, like, they hate kind of the smart, like, internet guy and like, more to them. But, like, a lot of them are playing to that at the same time. So Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, be better than that. You are in the ring for a reason. And they are in the seats for a reason. Like there can be some. I'm not all. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as old man as I'm trying to be. But <laughs> like there can be some interaction. Dialogue is cool. Relational shit is cool. Make your fans feel like they matter. But man, do not ever get to the point that you're like, okay, shit. You guys get in the ring and get, we'll give you our money because you're you know better than we do. <laughs> and sometimes yeah, plus. And I think there are different levels of it too because I've definitely been in uh, quote unquote smart crowds that were still there just to enjoy the show and you yes. know they want to respond a little they want to have fun like come up with yeah. a fun chat maybe but they're still loving the show and then i've been in crowds which are just yeah like oh we're the stars we're gonna like cause a ruckus look at us blah, blah, blah. and it's like you know it's annoying then so I, there's different levels to it i think i agree i was i feel like all in i was in a crowd that could have been the worst but they chose not to be they chose to be <laughs> you sure. know yeah maybe yeah. maybe the bigger the crowd gets to the more you can't just take over the show. Yeah, true, true. Because that guy sitting next to me at All In, buddy, you know, <laughs> you, you ruined my night. Uh, there's always one, at least, uh, for sure. And he just started talking to me the minute I sat down about StarCast, even though I hadn't been to StarCast. Uh, so that was the beginning. He's like, yeah, man, it's like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, fuck, I wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then, like, if I ever responded to him, he didn't hear anything I said. And then he just... I was there as his audience, and he was the performer. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing worse than a, a fan who thinks it's open comedy night and has no aptitude okay. for it. So I'm happy, and I'm not like I'm. I feel like I'm being so grumpy to everybody and everything, and that's not the mood I'm really in. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but you know, here we are. It's hard. Like Miz fan said it best. Miz fan entered my world to do WCW the Legacy Series, so I was comfortable. I was dealing with narratives that I have. God, I process. They are worn in my brain, and now I'm in a I'm in a scary world. So don't take my don't take my old mandom as grumpiness. Take it as fear. He's just afraid. He doesn't understand what's happening around. He'll get better. <laughs> and if I don't, you know, you know, you know, the mystic can disappear. So you know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it may happen eventually again. I, I, who knows? Who knows? I am so excited to hear your thoughts. Um. Uh, as we go forward, because next we have Chico Adams versus 
Uh, Barrington Hughes, the Caramel Colossus. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of either of these people. Um, Chico Adams is here to do a job. I doubt we see him again. <laughs> Barrington Hughes um, is a extremely fat guy. Um, he did a little backstage promo, which I actually kind of liked. Um, but his whole deal seems to be, look how fat I am. And he wins the match <laughs> with one move by being fat, basically. <laughs> so I don't know what to make of that. Um, I have to see more, I guess, because this was strange. But, oh, you know, you, you get all types of stuff um, when you watch a company like this because they're going to bring in the guys you know and they're maybe going to bring in some guys you don't know. So so here's a guy I don't know. I really felt like I, this is like 1991 or something. <laughs> Barrington Hughes, like, wearing some P&U style uh, <laughs> attire. And uh, in all the – in the world – where Bam Bam Bigelow could be billed as 600 pounds when he's like 300. This guy is billed as like 400 or something. And man, like if you want to go for it, this is the guy to go for it on. But sure. I think weights have become more realistic. So maybe 400 is the new 600. But oh, yeah. man, but, this is a big dude. And he his voice, though, is very different than what you would expect. He says, I can't stop. Nay, I won't stop until I make it to the top. And what I'm afraid of is... Mr. Barrington Hughes might disappear before he has some real storylines. I think he'll be around. I, I kind of looked ahead at the roster, um, and I think he'll be around. So we'll okay. see. Because, yeah, I actually I did like his promo. I liked his energy. Um, I just don't know because he's so fat. And you're right. Heenan and Monsoon would have speculated him at, like, 800 pounds for <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, God. And Okay, so here's the – let me ask you something, listener, who, if you're still listening to the show, God, you really are a listener. Um, do you do you ever want to be a Mark? Can we say that we want to be a Mark? Because if I want to watch wrestling, and I want to be involved with the characters, and I, I want to watch it the same way I watch drama and comedy and other shows. Right. And the one thing I like about this is, I can't say if this guy can do anything because he won with one move, but... I think this is his third match in a row that he's done this. And when he's leaving, he's yelling, MLW, please take notice. Bring me competition. Um, he's begging for someone he can actually wrestle. So now I'm curious as to who can actually wrestle this man. Is it going to be someone who looks like most of the guys on the card? And they're really going to fight above their build? Or does it have to be a bigger guy? I don't know the answer. Is it going to be someone who, if they challenge him, it's immediately a feud? I don't know. Like, I have no idea where this is going, but it's something that is called a slow build. And I like that because, guess what? You give people time to invest. I could easily see this guy wrestle next week, three, and it'd be three moves, and I'd be like, my God, he can't wrestle, and we can't do this. But he is an unusually... Large man in a gimmick all about that compared to his, um, see, not he's not Austin Aries and he's not ACH and so forth. He is, excuse me, as I flip my notes, he is the Caramel Colossus, Barrington Hughes, and he is not afraid to dress like PNUs in 2018. <laughs> and I want to see who's going to stand up by God and fight this man. So, whether it turns out well or not, they have done their job for me. Yeah, I, to his credit, he's something very different. Um, so 
yeah, you, you could say that for him. And uh, I'm curious as well. I don't know. I have a bad feeling that um, those three moves may, may be the end of him. Um, but uh, maybe not. We'll see. I'm interested. Uh, yeah, because we don't have Goldberg in the company. It's not going to be Goldberg. It's not going to be the nasty boys that come out and fight him. I hope. Oh, mercy. Never Why know. did you say that? <laughs> you never know, Miss Sam. Just Good prepping boy. everything. I don't know what his finisher is. He has a name to his finisher. I didn't write it down, but bless Tony Schiavone uh, and his beard. He says, his earthquake sit-down splash. <laughs> well, I, if that just means his finisher is the same as earthquake used, then yeah. that but will it, kill it a person. Oh my as God. the other guy knows, it has its own name. But I think Tony, Tony with a beard and I might get along because we are both strangers in a strange land, and we're just doing the best we can here. Uh, that would be the ultimate reconciliation, my dad. I don't know if I want it or not. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so we come to the main event, which makes my heart so happy because you can only, best I know, have one MLW Fusion Episode 1, and they chose to main event it with a match that Rich Bokini, I hope I'm saying your name right, says would be a main event in any country and any company it is to determine, a, I believe, a future shot at the MLW world title. It is brothers competing. It is Ray Phoenix versus Pentagon. Uh, indeed, and it's uh, two guys that I love, and yeah, they're starting off MLW. I don't know more to say about that. It's great. It's great to see them wrestling each other. Uh, instead of together, I'll just say that also, because yeah. um, uh, Lucha Bros are a great tag team, but as we've talked about, I like them to uh, also have their um, independence from each other, and I think that's an important factor of what they do. Yes. At this moment, Pentagon is managed by Selena, who do not call her a manager. She is the pipeline for talent from Latin America. She is more of a <laughs> celebrity slash businesswoman. She has, like, she has offices in all these places, and she is kind of that um, pipeline. I don't know at this time if she is with Black Friday Management. The little bit I've watched MLW, uh, Black Friday Management, whose website says the hustle will be televised. Um, what I know is uh, Selena as the manager of Low Key and Low Key as a long-reigning MLW champion. Right. That's what I know. We're not there yet. And I don't know her with Pentagon, so I don't know how long this alliance will last. I think it was a good pairing. But then again, by the end of the match, I will have reasons. Pure speculation, as we point out the mystic likes to do, for why this pairing did not work out. So let's get it on as Pentagon and Ray Phoenix in the main event. Yeah, and I would have liked to see, just for it being a first episode, um, just a little bit more about why... Pentagon and Selena are together at all, because um, it's fine to say she's the pipeline to Latin America, but I think anyone watching MLW, and this is tough because everyone knows like what happens in other promotions, but how much do you want to be about that? I don't know. It's a tough thing to balance, but we all know Pentagon got here. You know, He didn't need Selena to bring him in. If anything, Selena needed Pentagon like to get here to get to this spot. So, <laughs> sir, how, 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 how dare you? Uh, but I don't know because there was MLWs already existing without uh, Fusion. True. So we yeah, already have a, had a couple additional shows. But yeah, I don't know. I think uh, at least a mention. Like, you don't have to show yeah, me the whole thing. You, you got an hour, but you got commentators. No, yeah, just let me know. Kind of clue me in. 
Uh, but maybe Tony didn't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, no, Tony, Tony is learning on the job. You can absolutely. tell that. I can hear his notes flipping like I slip sometimes. Sure, absolutely. Um, I think uh, Rich is enjoying himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you don't know shit, buddy. But <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's it fun. is fun. Um, the, yeah, you're right though, because how does Ray Phoenix, his brother, who they you know they refer to as his brother, is also in the company, and he seeming, seemingly didn't come in through her unless he split pretty fast from her. Right, yeah. yeah. So some some kind of mention would have been helpful, but uh, it's all right. I'll wait and see how it plays out. Um, anytime these two are together, I think it's going to be great. I was almost afraid I wouldn't like this quite as much because at the start you get some of that stuff with Pentagon you've been talking about where he's got to like do his taunt ten times and take off his glove in this really like fancy way and it's like very presentational and not like threatening in my opinion it's kind of like the young bucks you know they're gonna yell suck it pentagon is gonna do like all of this like play to the crowd shtick so i was afraid it was gonna go in a way that i didn't like quite as much Um, but i gotta say when they got into this i thought it was freaking fantastic it was really everything i wanted it to be once it got rolling uh i'll go so far as it's maybe my favorite match that they've had together that i've seen um and i've seen them wrestle in a few places so uh it's always been great, maybe never greater than here. I, I love the places they went with this as it went along. This is the match that launched the email to you that launched MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. Mm. Because I watched this with a lot of the fears that you had and then some. Um, and it was so awesome that my first thought is, why don't we watch this match like as a kind of tribute to Phoenix and Pentagon this week have entered the company? And then I thought... Why don't we just do the fucking Legacy Series? (laughs) So, you know, one thing leads to another. And I get, I take your point about Pentagon. Um, I think it'll be fun to see when you feel like he's doing that and I feel like he doesn't, he's not, or I feel like he's doing it and you feel like not so much. Okay. Um, Because for me, I didn't mind the beginning, partly because I like that Phoenix is going for a handshake because that's so Phoenix. And then, um, (laughs) you know, Penta is so Penta. And then I got a point to make later that both of them show out, but just in different ways. So we'll get to that. But yeah, I do agree that once they got rolling, this was a matchup about who is the better man Mm -hmm. and how do I one up you and how do I take advantage of you and how do I exploit the fact that I know you and how do I defeat you? Right. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I loved about this. Uh, I love the physicality of it. I like that. Yeah. Both guys wrestle a little differently, each in their own way. Um, there's lots of uh, fighting out into the crowd. And th- this may be a small thing, but it's huge to me. And I don't even know why exactly. But even though they were, like, fighting all in the crowd, I don't know if you noticed, still rolling in to break the count. And that yes. that is so huge to me. Um, I don't know. Like, that was a, there, there was a big push for that maybe in WWE when I started watching. And I've always been a mark for it. So, yeah, I mean, this is a company that isn't just, like, off the rails. Like, oh, well, they're fighting. We'll just let them fight. Uh, you know, the rules are still there. There's kind of like a little more structure around it. And I, I love stuff like that. So that was a great touch, I thought. And... Absolutely. I don't know. It's funny you say that. I don't know if it was um, Scorpio Sky and Desmond or something else I've watched recently. But they were on the outside so long that my thought, and this is, you don't want people breaking their thoughts like of the match. But I was thinking, what is the referee doing? Like if I was the <laughs> human being paid to be the referee, like am I standing there counting do I sneakily start over? Do I get stuck on like a five and I forget what comes after? <laughs> because like they were outside for so fucking long, there's no way that you know if you're doing your job, you can't count to ten. So right. I greatly take that point. And also, it's just good storytelling because 
I can't assault you sometimes the way I want to because I have to roll in. Like everything can't go in perfect succession like I made it up backstage without rules in my mind. It's, right, right. You know, I might be about to tear the house down, but if the referee's at a nine count, I need to slide in the ring and then slide back out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great point. Um, quick succession at the beginning, too. Like they're back and forth. You know, like, partly that's just the style of the day, but partly I got to feel like, you know, they know each other. Right. You know, yeah. and they're trying to get one up on each other, but they both know what the other guy's going for. Mm-hmm. And I really felt at times like um, some of the stuff they were doing, I almost like wouldn't be OK with if others were doing it. But they're so good at it. And as you say, they're playing it into the story of like they know each other so they can do things like at this kind of speed, this kind of like uh, uh, level of intuition that I can really buy into it and I can uh, kind of let them move on with it. It won't break my flow. I think it's all about presentation, charisma, and who these guys are and how they're approaching it. And uh, it's very cool. I think it works great. Yes. I think the MLW Fusion 1, Episode 1, Legacy Series quote of the week might be Tony Schiavone about Pentagon. He's He's got some style, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, talking about learning on the job. Can you imagine yeah. coming into, well, you can because you're kind of doing it, like you said, yeah. walking into 2018 and seeing uh, all of this stuff, and the last time you watched regularly was WCW. Man, you guys are similar, so all right, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> I get it. There's so many moves I want to write down, and I've got to, like, I just got to write down a description of what they're doing because I don't know <laughs> what the move is. Need Mike today for sure, to tell us all the move names. Yeah. Like, oh, I like Pentagon's push-off drop kick to Pentagon's springing off the second rope. Ah, like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. Okay, so if everyone's going to wrestle, or not everyone, but a lot of people are going to wrestle a very similar style. And this is the thing I said about Desmond snapping things off. Like, find a way to do it in a way that still has your signature on it. Right. You know, that's, to me, that's that separates you from the pack if... Okay, everyone might have done that move, but nobody would have done it either quite in that style or that push-off or that way. Then you're getting somewhere. Or even quite so well, if you can pull yes. that off. I think Phoenix is a guy who can do that sort of thing just physically. He can just do it flat out better than anyone. Yes. Another great quote. So Pentagon is like getting into domination, and he's going into Pentagon mode. And you know what Pentagon mode is. I don't have to tell you what Pentagon mode is. And Rich says, Pentagon looks possessed. And then Tony said, yeah, he looked that way coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved uh, seeing Pentagon through Tony's eyes because he yes. mentioned a lot, like the look, the aura, the feeling of this guy. And it made me, I'm so used to Pentagon and loving him, but I kind of looked at him again. I'm like, damn, he looks so good all the yeah. time. Like, it's such good presentation on his part, and I really love it. That's such a good, if you want to know what kind of character Pentagon is, watch that match through Tony's eyes because Phoenix comes out and Tony's like, I'm really excited about this because Phoenix grew up a fan of Hooventude and he's naming all these WCW yes. Nitro guys. Oh, for sure. And you can tell he's, he's truly excited because I, I can handle this. I got this. I know what I, I know what's about to happen. Right. Pentagon, he doesn't seem to know so much about and it's almost like, yeah, this battle of the luchadors until he's like, oh my god, that one luchador, he's looking at me sideways. <laughs> like, why is he looking at me like that, Rich? <laughs> I think there's a personality in there. <laughs> So he found out about Pentagon on day one. Yeah. It was lovely. And, it, okay, here's a quick, quick uh, Bruce Pritchard story because this is apparently 
Vince McMahon wanted to break up Edge and Christian almost from day one because Edge is just a, like a hunk of a man, and he's so tall and strong and beautiful, and Christian's Vince. so goddamn ugly. Yep. And, yeah, he's the best worker in the business. Like, Vince McMahon, type, I think, thought that he's like the best hand or best worker, but that don't mean shit around here. So when they finally broke them up, they were going to have them wrestle one-on-one, and Bruce, Bruce Pritchard sold the hell out of this. Like, this is going to be the match that steals the show. This is going to be a match people are going to talk about. And then they had no chemistry, and the match bombed. <laughs> and Vince McMahon yeah, blamed Christian, of course, because he's the wrestler. He's the hand, and what what went wrong? But that's a thing, because Edge and Christian are as, as good as brothers. And so major props to Bret Hart and Owen. Props to these guys in this match. Just because you know someone, and or you're even your blood with someone, or your best friends with someone, it doesn't mean when you get in the ring together, it's gonna it's gonna work by the way you want it to. Yep, it's no guarantee for sure. <laughs> yeah, and this is a big spotlight as far as main event number one. And you know, how do you you know you keep talking about the Lucha Bros being in demand and being in six companies? You don't think there's some pressure to deliver that comes with that? Mm, so, yeah. put them in the ring against each other, and they got nobody to blame if it doesn't go well. But a really good in, uh, main event inside the ring, outside the ring, and then back inside the ring um, as we get closer, I think, to the close of the matchup. And this is the benefit of, like, you know, for kind of all of the 2000s, uh, WWE was filled with guys who had never really worked anywhere else. Uh, and that's why a lot of them bombed, I think. They were in this bubble. They were coming out, you know, they've only worked OVW or, like, some small little mm. theater territory. Now, you got guys, and... Sure, like, there's some pressure, I think, for being on episode one of this show, but, man, Pentagon and Phoenix, they've worked in front of, you know, like, 20, 30,000 oh, in Mexico City. They've worked Lucha Underground, like, from the start. They they worked uh, all these different places. They have the experience. They can be so confident in their stardom. And, yeah, guess what? They never worked, you know, in uh, WWE. They never worked on a, a major cable television show in the United States and it doesn't matter because they know their stars already and they act like it. It's great. Yeah. It's amazing how WWE disrespects so many companies that are not them, but they also know they could take Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles or anyone at any age that they are and make them a main event guy if they want because they know what they're doing because they wrestle somewhere else. Sure, yeah. They they built an entire NXT brand on taking guys who are ready made and just putting them out there and you know sure some guys benefit from being there, but yeah, a lot of them just come in ready to do it on day one, honestly. So. Yeah. When I met Triple H at a very young 45, he, he developed me and gave me a stage. It's beautiful. Okay, anyway, that's not that's neither here nor there. Absolutely. NXT, I do like NXT. Sure, I, who wouldn't, you know? So, yeah. there you go. I'm just saying that some of that's true. That's, yeah. <laughs> just don't get on the roster and become a tag team champion with your stupid robe and your glorious gimmick, which was so awesome at one time. Now it makes me want to throw up. <laughs> I am, well, where did that come from? Okay. Oh, End of the matchup. Uh, these guys, <laughs> I love that they all, I think Rich speculates earlier. This is a guy who will break someone's arm to win a match. And I, <laughs> stupid Rich, I wonder... <laughs> If he would do that to his brother. Uh, oh, he would Rich. do that to his mother, Rich. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, he, he does it, sure enough. And so Pentagon uh, puts a hurting on that arm. Um, he follows up with the fear factor, and he gets the pin. Yep. Pentagon will receive a world title shot. And then Selena spends the rest of the night trying to get his attention, trying to have a moment with him, and he ignores her the entire time. And he plays through the crowd for like 16 hours. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Selena, 
Vampiro could have told you what would happen. <laughs> As you got kind of heel uh, Pentagon playing to the crowd, soaking up their praise and admiration. And so, you know, good luck with this talent that you put on because and maybe he came from nowhere, but he's already feeling himself. Indeed. Um, yeah, I was very satisfied with the end of the match. Uh, anytime the arm breaker is used and then that person is not able to use their arm is Thank great you. in my book. It should always be that way. Uh, also, Pentagon should always beat Phoenix. Um, yes. That's my opinion. Um, and, yeah, I, I didn't even think about it so much, but you're right. They, did, they Selena couldn't get much from Pentagon after he got that victory, so I – Pentagon, I don't think he's the type that can have a manager, honestly. You know, it never worked out with Vampiro. He, started, he just bled him like a stuck pig when he got mad. I, he's not the type who I think can have an association with hardly anyone, and maybe Phoenix can uh, can make the difference there sometimes. But in the end, I, even that, I don't think it'll last forever. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard someone say, what about that Austin 316 uh, promo that really put Austin over? Have you ever heard that? I have heard of that, yeah. Have you ever heard? How about Steve Austin uh, with that manager, Ted DiBiase, who spoke for him and really put him over? <laughs> Not so much. No, no. Yes. And I like Ted DiBiase, but sometimes you just need a guy who's on his own. That's a good point, and I like the point about uh, Pentagon should always beat Phoenix because um, one thing I saw, so whether you like some of the stuff he does or don't like some of the stuff he does, this is a man who's going to style out in any way he wants. He takes a baseball hat and puts it on his uh, mask while trying to do chops. And that's him That's him flexing and showing out. And, like, you and I, I think, both like it more in the darker, uh, more beat-you-down beat you type. But, you know, he does it however he chooses to do it. But right. Pen- uh, Phoenix does the same thing with his little – like, he's already springing off the top rope. He does that split leg no matter how many times to throw himself back up there. And he – like, his, his showing out gets bigger and bigger – in the moves that he does. Yeah. And this is why Pentagon will always beat Phoenix because Phoenix, if he were to get mad at Pentagon, I feel like would really like, I'll, I'll show you my moves three times higher and harder. <laughs> so he, he's damn good in the ring, but what he sees is in the ring. Uh, Pentagon sees in and out of the ring and, and he's thinking like, you know, I also have gasoline like hidden in the crowd and I will set you on fire and murder you, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> It's sure. just two different ways to do business, and neither who can say what's right and wrong in the world. Yep, yep, absolutely. Oh God, so I, I, I just, I don't know. We'll see. We're doing forty-two episodes, but this company makes me happy in that I see what they're, I see them, I see what you're trying to do. I see your Dusty Roads, I see your Terry Funk, I see your War Games matches, I see your new Heart Foundation coming. Like I see what you're trying to do, and I love you for it. And this is this will be the second finished legacy series. Who knew WWF the legacy series would get trumped uh, in time by MLW Fusion? I didn't know, but it happened. <laughs> so this is the first edition of All About All the Elite plus MLW Fusion the Legacy Series. Yep, yep. Um, it's a great start. It was a great main event, and um, yeah, I'm excited uh, to continue. I love. The Legacy Series, like I said, I think there's nothing better than watching week to week, month to month, and uh, seeing kind of everything that goes down. So I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I do believe we got Shane Strickland versus Jimmy Havoc next week in the main event. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It'll be interesting, yeah. A guy I don't like and you don't like, but both, who knows, could uh, turn us around, I think. Um, it's and possible. So I believe Shane Strickland is the heavyweight champion. He is, yeah. I believe you are correct. Yeah, so um, we will see. If I'm not mistaken, we will see three world champions, and the third one will be crowned on the day that we finish the series. So, you know, that's kind of cool, too, that we're doing April to January, so and we get only three world champions, so good. For sure. All right. I'm excited. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's see what we get. Um, I think that's all we have time for. We're very close yeah. to our three hours. Um, so, yeah, a lot happening today, but I hope you all enjoyed it. If you're able to shout us out, I'm on Twitter. I'm at SpectralJet. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Check out everything else on LLP Radio. Check out LordsOfPain.net and LLPForums.com for a lot of great written material. Uh, I hope you come join the conversation. That's all I've got. Take us home, my friend. Oh, holy shit, I've been put on the spot. <laughs> okay, so how about that Pentagon with um his style and stuff? And until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature Stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared Undiscovered